Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by a very special guest today. With us, we have from the Combat Republic, Mike Gilbert. Combat Republic covers all your, all your MMA, wrestling, boxing, if it's combat sports, Combat Republic, it's got it covered. Mike, appreciate your time talking to us today about the uh, Ryzen 21 show that happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on, Andrew. This is uh, really exciting for me, and uh, I, I, I love Ryzen. I loved Ryzen 21, and I'm excited to talk about it. So just briefly, can you just tell us a little bit about Combat Republic and yourself, how you got, uh, I guess, started it, uh, as an MMA fan, JMMA fan, and just tell us a little bit about yourself and how this, and how this whole thing started for you. Yeah, man. So uh, I am I am in the Air Force. I've been uh, active duty for the last 16 years, and uh, my first duty station was actually Yokota Air Base in Japan, uh, just outside of Tokyo. And when I got there, I, I was not a big MMA fan. I, I had known about it when I was a kid because I had one of those illegal cable boxes back in the 90s, and <laughs> and like a UFC would come on after wrestling, and so I would watch some of that. But I I wasn't really a fan. And then I I got to uh, Japan. And they would show the UFCs there for free, all the pay-per-views. They would just give it to the troops for free on the Armed Forces Network. And while I was there, I had cable, and I was able to watch the local Pride shows, and I started to learn about Pride, and I became a big fan of Pride. Uh, and that was like, you know, 05, 06. I think they died around 07, 08 time frame. Mm-hmm. And um, so after I left Japan, I got stationed in Las Vegas. And while I was there, my, my MMA fandom grew like you would not believe and even though pride had recently just died um i i my fandom had grown like you wouldn't believe because the ufc what they would do whenever they would have a card there in vegas and they couldn't sell out they would actually push free tickets to the base so i would get to go down to see all the fights at uh, the you know the mandalay bay and the mgm grand i actually got to go see uh mandalay silva versus chuck uh chuck liddell for free and I got to see Brock Lesnar beat Randy Couture for free. I, I it was just a, an awesome time there in Las Vegas. And while I was there, um, I think around that same time, HDNet fights came out, and they started to show uh, Dream, uh, that old promotion Dream from Japan. And I believe there was another one called uh, Yaranoka. You probably know a little bit better than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one called Sengoku Yaranoka, um, and I know Inoki had one. And so there was a bunch of uh, Japanese MMA that was coming on HDNet fights and. I just remember they would uh, have the shows like on Friday and Saturday nights in the middle of the night, and I would record them, and they'd be like six hours long, and all this craziness would happen. You know, uh, Fedor would fight a giant, and Jose Canseco came out one time and fought a guy, and he was carrying a baseball bat with him, and I was like, this, I, I absolutely love this, um, and that's kind of what drawn me to it. But then I started to to learn about all the cool Japanese MMA fighters that they had, like Shinya Aoki and those guys. And I really started to get uh, to get into it, and then for whatever reason, HDNet fights just quit showing it. So I kind of fell out of the JMMA scene for a really long time. And mm. you know, to make a long story more boring, uh, a couple of months ago, I was I was just really burned out on the UFC, and I was kind of burned out on a little bit on Bellator, and I was starting to kind of look for uh, some some other MMA that I could start getting into. And I, I had been getting this idea of starting starting up doing a blog. Because uh, a couple of years ago, I had a podcast, and that podcast didn't really work out. I ended up, uh, I ended up moving, and then uh, my wife and I had our first baby, and then I started going to college, and I 
I really started to focus on other areas of my life. Well, then a couple months ago, I started to get that itch again to, to get back into the uh, MMA and pro wrestling and boxing scene. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I started blogging here and there, and then I, I saw the advertisements for the uh, Bellator and Ryzen joint shows that they just had over uh, New Year's Eve. And, uh, and I watched those, and I watched Ryzen 20, and I was just like, man, I have been missing this for so long. This is my scene, man. And uh, that's when I got onto Twitter, and I, I fixed uh, fixed up my old Twitter from my old podcast, and I redesigned it. I changed the name of it. I did the whole thing, and then I started looking for everything that was just focused on Ryzen, and then I found you guys, and I got a chance to check out your show and just how plugged into that scene you were. And so I started to kind of lean on you guys whenever I was looking at getting into Ryzen again and then uh, reached out to you guys. I, I, I put your podcast on my blog on my blog site whenever I reviewed or I whenever I previewed Ryzen uh, 21. For whatever reason, Fight TV, they are the coolest dudes in the entire world. I don't know what was going on between them and Ryzen, but uh, for whatever reason, they, they, they thought I had enough influence to where they gave me a free code to that show. And little did they know, I was actually going to pay for it, but they gave me a free code to help promote it, and I did that. And uh, I did a preview show, and I our preview um, blog, and I used your guys' show as my template, because you guys are you guys have so much more knowledge than I do when it comes to, to Ryzen. And uh, you know, fast forward, you know, you and I connected, and you reached out to me and asked me to do the show, and I was just super stoked and excited, so excited, in fact, I literally just got back from Best Buy with my new microphone. So mm. if you hear, if you guys hear me sounding a little bit off, it's because I don't know how to use it quite yet, but it was it was very expensive, so I hope it sounds good. You know, it's so funny that Fight TV, there are there are there are accounts or and and groups or whatever that have a smaller social media following than we do. And they've gotten Fight TV codes. Fight TV has never reached out to us for whatever reason. I'm not upset or anything. I have maybe about two hundred dollars in Fight TV codes. So oh, wow. I just well, now, now I kind of feel like a jerk for bragging a little. No, bit. no, I mean, not I mean, at all, not at all. I'm just curious to know, like, well, uh, the, 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 I'm I'm more curious about the smaller accounts that they go after that have yeah. that they see as influence. I'm like. I don't know if those guys really have much influence uh, as no, you do. Yeah, they, well, not, especially not when it, as it relates to Ryzen, because the, the reason why I know a lot more about Ryzen than I did before is because I looked up your show, mm. uh, and so that way I could learn more about it, because I, you know, I, I am looking to get back into Japanese MMA, and uh, you guys are the perfect guys to help me do that. Yeah, yes. Um, I, I, I will say I, I do have a little bit of a history with the uh, Fight TV that goes back uh, goes back to last year. They know me uh, from my personal account. They um, uh, we had some we had some back and forth, and then we had some direct messages and things like that. And then um, last year I did let them know on my my personal Twitter account that hey, if you guys ever needed somebody to, to do a contest for you, I'd be happy to. And then uh, back in January, it was a couple months ago for uh, Impact Wrestling I had a show called Hard to Kill. And they asked me if I would do that, and then I was obviously oh, over the moon to be able to do that. And so I did that, and then ever since then, uh, I would say once a week they asked me to do that, and I'm just excited to do it. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, we hope that you have been enjoying Rise, and we hope that you are have been uh, enjoying, I guess, jumping into the world of JMMA. It is an interesting world, especially some of the uh, social media personalities that are around uh, that, that, that focus on this sport. Um, and I don't know, should I, I, I know you said you're active duty, do I thank you for your service, because I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, 
um, where uh, Larry David doesn't, uh, where he doesn't uh, thank the, uh, I think there was a guy in the army and he didn't thank him for his service and everybody else around him gets really angry at him. Because um, so apparently, because in the episode he's told, oh, you don't need to thank anybody for this, for their service, you know, that's just a thing. And then the one time that he doesn't do it, uh, he gets, he gets shit on for it. So, <laughs> I don't do that, you know, that's no. I have seen that clip, and I and I thought that was hilarious. So I will tell you that for the most part in the military, at least you know I can't speak for other military members. For me specifically, it it makes me uncomfortable when people do that um, because I I don't have an ego about my service. I am proud of my service, but I I, I am not doing it for the thank yous and, and things like that. I I so it it makes me kind of uncomfortable, and I and I kind of get a little shy when people say that. But over the years, I have gotten used to it. And I, whenever someone says, thank you for your service, I said, well, thank you for your support. I always say it right back to them. So, because um, I, you know, it's not really about me. It's about the military. So I need to check my ego, right? And just uh, be grateful that people will think enough of me to say something nice. So if anybody ever says that to me, it's totally cool with me. I will say thank you for your support. Uh, you know, uh, that, that's just how I feel about it, though. Well, uh, you are in the Air Force, so perhaps I, I, it's better that I quote Top Gun and say, I feel the need the need for speed. Oh, well, I, you know, I got, I got to correct you. So Top Gun was uh, uh, Navy. Navy, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm such a... No, Navy. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So they, they flew Navy planes. So the, the largest Air Force in the world is the United States Air Force. The second largest Air Force in the world is the Navy. Um, but I... Uh, you know, there is some breaking news here, and I, maybe your listeners aren't aware of this, but back in De- on December 20th, um, the Space Force was created, and I just so happened to be at Vandenberg Air Force Base, which in two months, and uh, nobody else knows this, so this is breaking news on your show, I just found out a couple of days ago, in two months I will be part of Vandenberg Space Force Base. So, because uh, what we do here is we actually launch spy satellites, and we launched GPS satellites into orbit out of our uh, out of our base. We're here in the on the central coast of California, and we also have a missile defense system as well. Um, but yeah, so we, we do all of that. We're going to be doing that for the Space Force here coming up pretty soon. I will still be a member of the Air Force, but I will be working on a Space Force base. So uh, so you can uh, thank me for two different services coming up here pretty soon. Okay, so you're we. I'm not gonna get killed or anything for for you spilling this out. It's like it's okay that like this is out in public. I don't want to get a knock on the door from uh, <laughs> I don't know, Secret no. Service. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure this is public knowledge. It was covered in the paper. But. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, um, but uh, we are here to cover the Ryzen Twenty One show, which happened. Well, it was the first Ryzen show of 2020. Happened February 22nd at the Hamamatsu Arena in Shizuoka, Japan. Uh, an attendance of 6,832. Um, Shizuoka, the, the arena in Shizuoka holds uh, 8,000. So, and also par- apparently it was the fourth lowest rise in attendance um, in, uh, in their history. Um, I think you both you and I know probably it has, I'm guessing that probably the reason why the attendance was, I guess, surprisingly low was I'm I'm guessing it's all coronavirus. That's probably my, that's my hunch. Do you have? I, I would I would say that has uh, that has something to do with it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, also the the card itself was not that stacked. Uh, basically, the entire card was built around Mikuru Azakura. Um, I mean, he is basically on the poster, and nobody else was. It was basically. Yeah, that- it it was it was just it was a one man show when it came to promotion. Yeah, which is not bad. Um. 
I would say for the most part, but considering how, who else was on the show, it, it, it's clear that nobody else was like on Mikru's as a Kurs level. Now, actually, I want to ask you... Uh, Mike, did you so you watch it live on fight or did you watch it after or did you see it, the fights on YouTube by any chance? Well, so I, I watched uh, the the first part of it on fight, um, but full disclosure, I am getting old, so I had to go to bed early. <laughs> so what I did was I actually got up. Uh, I got up at like five in the morning the next morning and I finished the show all on fight. Mm, okay, no, no, no. That's you know you're smart. You're not dumb like me and a whole bunch of other people who choose to try to almost like it's like almost like a contest to see who can stay up and survive the longest to watch some of these shows um, especially when the intermissions are three hours long luckily this one did not have that um, right uh, but uh, yeah we had a bunch of kickboxing matches and MMA matches and before we go into the first uh, three kickboxing matches I have to say they were not on the original fight um, Stream. Did you happen to get to see them? Um, I did. I did not. No, I did not. I. I. I uh, you know what? I should have actually looked. <laughs> should have actually watched them before you and I talked. No, I did not get a chance. The only thing as I have seen was on the original fight stream. Okay. So yeah, initially they had three opening kickboxing matches, uh, and they were. I think at first, the impression was they would be on the fight, uh, stream, but then it was announced later that they would not be. There was a whole and, and the whole this whole show was was just like a mess when it came to pro being promoted and whether we would even see it. It was literally announced I think the week of uh, that it would be that it was going to be on fight and then we found out later that was going to have Joe Farrell, Frank Trigg. It was going to have Matt Stryker soloing it in a studio I assume at the Fight TV studios in New York. Um, so, this, this, what do you think about how this show is promoted? Do you think it was a badly promoted show? Because I honestly think it was a, it was badly promoted, really terribly. I, I think badly promoted would be an understatement. I, you know, but I, I, I don't want to say that it's not their fault. It's clearly the fault of both companies. Yeah. No company is more to blame than the other. They should have come to a deal long before the show was ever announced. Um, obviously the, the, the biggest money that Rising gets is from Japan, so they they had to go with their Japan date. They had that date locked in, so they had to go uh, through with the show. But those two companies should have got together a long time ago to get their shit together, so that way they could get the show promoted and get a proper uh, promotion done and get a proper announce team in place to be able to do this. I, you know, like I'm I'm not a big fan of Matt Stryker. I've I've seen him. I've seen his work in WWE, and he did some AAA. And he's not, he's not bad, he's not great, um, he seemed like a nice enough guy. I felt horrible for him because he was put in such a bad position to take this show on a three or four days notice. Uh, Fight TV is his main employer now, he does boxing, he does obviously does MMA, he does a lot of pro wrestling for them already. And, and so he took this show on just a few days notice, he did reach out to you guys right, to get some notes on the show. And then I, I sounded like they put him inside of a bathroom and gave him a little <laughs> computer and a tin can to talk into, and uh, and he had to do the show that way. So I, I felt horribly for him. Uh, thankfully, the the action in the ring more than made up for the uh, the the bad audio quality. Yes. Yeah, so at first, the audio quality was absolutely terrible. It sounded like he was, you know, sounded like two string, uh, two cans, and they were attached to a string. He was speaking into one of the cans, and the other can was like next to a microphone, and then. 
what what I think what happened was that I think they lost audio near the like uh, during the second match I think it was maybe, maybe the first match um, that he uh, that audio his audio just like dropped out where, where it was you couldn't hear anything which I know some people wa wanted to rather have no commentary they can't have the Japanese commentary because that's an entirely rights issue with Gal Fuji TV so that was never going to happen. But what do you think? Do you think that this show would have benefited from just having no commentary, Mike? For for maybe the hardcore fan that kind of knew everything all about the fighters already, maybe that would have benefited them. Um, but for I would say a guy like me, this was his. Uh, this was my second show coming back. I did watch a previous show when uh, Floyd Mayweather was on, hmm. um, so I, I needed that English commentary to to be able to explain to me. Um, you know, some of the background information. I do know that he got some of it wrong. I saw the tweets. He was oh. wrong on some stuff. But uh, um, I, I, we'll I thought it was beneficial to have somebody telling me that story. Oh, um, we'll again for, for this instance. Because I, I, I don't just like to watch the shows. I like to learn about the shows at the same time. So for, for a guy like me personally, I felt that the English commentary was beneficial. Oh, yes. You know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you, you watched Rise in 20, you said, right? Yes. And so the go from that show to probably this, you know, that's what I was always wondering. What happened, you know, Rising 20 was, was maybe their best show ever, and it, and it clicked so well. And for that show, and someone, if someone saw that show for the, for the first time and then came into this show, it would, it would be such, like, it would be what, what, like somebody who went from WWE or, or watching, you know, like a great New Japan show one day, and then suddenly, I don't know, the next wrestling show you watch is I don't I have no idea like I don't know I, uh, some, I, some shit indie IWA uh, from uh, IWA MS uh, something like that something like that or CZW something like that yeah so it was I kind of I felt bad for you know I you're an example of somebody who I felt bad it was like you just saw this great MMA show this great this great combat sports show and now you are you're basically your next show is just this. Honestly, kind of like a mess of a show, uh, production-wise, and just all the things that happened backstage and all that stuff. I really felt bad for some for fans who like really wanted to see this show, and especially also announcing it late because you know here's the thing that that sucks as well. Fans like to know in advance when your show will be available. If you say if you announce your show is going to be available four days before it's it airs, you know people already made plans. People people may not even have enough money. To uh, save up to uh, watch a show, there's a reason why that that while that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury was announced months in advance because they wanted people to get ready for that day, for people to see that show. It, it, even Josh Barnett, he they haven't made an announce official announcement for the new for the upcoming Bloodsport show, but he did say it will be on fight. So fans already know now. Oh, okay, it's going to be on fight. I should prepare for it. Now see your show four days beforehand. That's not how you promote. That's like everything that goes against promotion. Any thoughts on that, uh, Mike? No, I, I I totally concur. They they really did a piss poor job. And I will tell you that the reason why I watched Rising Twenty One is because Rising Twenty was so fantastic, right? It just yeah. totally like like this. I felt like that I had been missing this in my life since. Uh, HD Net fights quit showing Japanese MMA. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I know Fight Pass has some stuff. I quit being a Fight Pass subscriber uh, a couple of years ago, um, so I, I do know that Fight Pass has some good JMMA. But you know, I just felt like this this Pride Fighting Championships and this dream uh, that I used to love so much. I had been such a I had been 
a void for a long time, and Rising was filling that void for me, starting with Ryzen 20. And uh, so that's the reason why I watched Ryzen 21. Now, I will say, they got me. I'm already hooked. So I'm not going to stop watching because the audio quality was so bad. I, I am going to give them a pass. I am smart enough to know that, that a lot of things were going wrong in the lead-up to this fight. And I, I know that I am probably an anomaly in that situation. If I were a casual viewer, then, yeah, I, I, that would be a huge problem. I don't think they had a whole lot of casual viewers of the show because, as you could say, or as you were just saying, they did not promote it very well in the states. No, um, not I, many, not many people knew about it. I can even tell and, you that the that the hardcore fan base. So Tapology, you go to the Tapology website, you know, look up records and all that no, stuff. It, so absolutely. when when this show was live, whoever was whoever I forgot who runs the Tapology, but they don't they didn't update it live. They always update the Rise and shows live. They didn't update this show at all live. Yeah, I, I, I was really surprised by, you know, Tapology and then, like, places like uh, MMA Junkie and uh, there's a couple other places that you would think would have been covering it uh, even the next day because I was, uh, when I was doing my blog, I was looking for some notes like, uh, you know, wh how long some of the fights went and things like that, just getting some more details. So I, I kind of, I, I look at other websites and a lot of those sites didn't even have any of that information. So they, they just didn't get a good enough job of getting awareness out for the show and the, the media... Um, didn't really spend any time on it, yeah. so um, which I which didn't help me out personally because I was able to get a blog out when not many other people did, um, and so I think I might have got a couple of clicks out of that because so a lot of folks weren't were covering it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the way I how I got like numbers and whatever uh, t the time finishes and all that stuff was I had to go to the actual Ryzen website and use the English Japanese to English translator from Google to find oh. out everything. Um, wow. so I had to go the extra step for that. Um, it was, I, I've done it before. I'm not, I'm used to it, but usually Tapology is like doing these things live and they make, and they make it just much more easier than having to just sift through Japanese. Uh, so yeah, another, uh, dropping the ball as well uh, on that aspect as well. I think this show did, but, uh, let's get into these fights. Um, I'm just going to quickly go for the opening matches because, uh, you didn't see them, so and no, nothing much happened. Uh, first match was a catch weight, fifty nine kilogram kickboxing match. Uh, Mazachi Tozuka and Mas Masahiro Ozawa went to a majority draw, which I don't understand how. I think the judges from Texas, from the James Krause uh, UFC fight, must have judged this fight because I have no idea how this went to a draw. Um, because Mazachi to uh, Tozuka totally just like. Just like was was a better fighter in this one, and was was murking Ozawa in this, and then I found out later in my research, oh, Ozawa's for Hamatsu. That answers that. So you couldn't give him, you couldn't have him lose. So you decided, oh, that's my theory anyway. Um, and the second kickboxing match, lightweight seventy kilogram uh, match, uh, Yuya defeated Koki by knockout in the first round, two minutes and thirty seconds. Yuya looked like. A kickboxer, Koki did not look like a kickboxer. That's as simple as I can put it. Um, and then a catchweight, uh, 60 kilogram uh, kickboxing match uh, between Henry with two R Sejas from Bolivia defeated Sado uh, by unanimous decision. Uh, and uh, Sejas, I, I watched a lot of his matches. Looks, he, he, he's a professional kickboxer to the T. Saito came to this with an under 500 record. I knew Sejas was going to win this. He just was a much, much better fighter. Um, 
Sato had like one one moment of, of looking good in the second round, but other than that, this was the Henry Sejas uh, story. Uh, and then we got we went live with this show, and um, as you said, Matt Stryker was you, you did you like did, did Matt Stryker overall was he good for you as an announcer, or do you think they should just go back to Frank Trigg and Joe Farrell if they are still a Fight TV presumably, Mike? You know, I I, I think they should go back to Frank Trigg and Joe just because I, I think they're the better team, but that has nothing to do with the quality of Matt Stryker. I think he did for for the limited amount of knowledge that he had, right? and the amount of prep he was able to do on a few days' notice, and the situation he put in, I thought he did a fantastic job. I agree, if, too. If you, take, if you take all those things considered, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. I, I know there's some complaints. He got some uh, facts and information wrong. I expected that. Uh, Matt Stryker, kudos to him. Oh, yeah. For a guy who definitely came in on on three days' notice, three, four days' notice, and you know, the one thing I was worried about, and you know, and so if you have you ever watched Luch Underground? Oh yes, absolutely. Matt Stryker has these ten, these I call them strikerisms, where he tries almost like the he sounds like a cosplaying Mauro Ranallo, where he tries to yes. sound like this is like the greatest thing that you're watching right now. It's a it's a story of good versus evil and stuff, and I, that's when he fails. When he's like just calling like a play by play, I think he like he was great at that. Uh, absolutely. He's he's a he's a real professional. He has professional training, but when he gets into pro wrestling, like he has a he has trouble because he is such a huge fan of pro wrestling. Obviously, he is a pro wrestler, uh, and he still wrestles to this day. I think he had a match the night before Rising, <laughs> um, and, and so he he gets into fan mode at the same time where he's supposed to be calling it like a sport, and so he he tries to mix it too. And then he also has these tendencies where he likes to tell jokes. And he's not funny. And so he has a problem with that, too. So when he's a serious sports announcer, I think he's pretty good. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, especially on Solo. Here's the thing. I, I think, and I don't know why it didn't happen in the fight. Um, they should have had somebody next to him. Somebody who just knows MMA or just some somebody who's just familiar with that. I don't know who they could have gotten, quite honestly, on short on, note. On short no- yeah, on short notice, that would have been super difficult. Frank Trigg's the perfect guy because... He also knows a little bit of Japanese too, so he's a he's the perfect guy to have there with you. If they had Matt Stryker come back and they paired him up with somebody else, I would be for that. And I got, I don't know. What do you think about the studio setting? I much rather them be in the arena, but if that can't be done anymore for whatever reason, then so be it. Um, I feel. Well, let, let me ask you this: Are, Have you watched a Combate Americas on Access? Uh, I've seen one Combodies America show, and that was a Tito Ortiz, Alberto Del Rio oh. show. Okay, strike that one from the record, okay? <laughs> that, one, that one was a complete shit show. So they, the, their Friday night shows that they do, so they have this guy, Max Bratos, who's actually calling the Bloodsport show, and they have Juliana Pena, and they actually do all the action from Access Studios in Los Angeles. And so they're just there in the studio calling it, and it sounds ex- like they're inside the arena. And I actually reached out to Max for comment because I was doing my blog um, for not this past Friday show, but the show that they had the week before, whenever the, I think they were in uh, Mexicali. And I, I asked him, I was like, is that difficult? And he said, y- yes, it's difficult because you're not feeling the energy of the audience, but you know, they're sound engineers and things like that. 
they, they make it seem like you are. And when you're listening to the show, you can't tell the difference. And so mm. they need to get something like that if they're going to continue to do this. It's going to save them money in the long run, and they'll still be able to keep a lot of the audio quality. So I don't know if you watch any of the – when Verizon first went on Fight, they used to – they were, like, switching out announcers left and right. One week they would have Moro Renaro, and then they'd have Anthony Burchek with him, and then another week it would be – somebody else, uh, and then another... They were always switching announcers, but here's the thing. They always did it in, like, some studio, and it was against a bad green screen as if they were in the arena. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. So, yeah, on Access, they just... they're You can tell that they're in the studio, and they let you know they're in the studio, and the background behind them just says Access. <laughs> so it's like, like everybody knows the deal here and it doesn't take away from the quality of the show. Mm-hmm. I guess also the one thing that also that, that, that would hurt a studio, I mean, presumably if they don't have a translator, is the translations. Um, yes. You know, we got, I know there's people on social media who do that, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who rather just not go to social media to try to like peruse through millions, thousands of messages just to find out what Mikuru Azakura said at the end of his thing, you know, they want to know, like, you know, somebody who's live is, like, translating right then and there. That's my presu- my presumption, that, anyway. I, I fall into that category. I like to, I like instant gratification and instant information. Uh, I don't want to go have to look it up. Maybe they can, uh, maybe they can, like, get Chris Charlton to go on Skype or something during one of the shows or something and just, like, to have him, have him on his, on his off day from not translating New Japan or something like that. He would be perfect. He's a, he does a good job for New Japan. I like him. Yeah, I, I like him too. I like him too. I just don't know anybody in America, other than you said Frank Trigg, anybody else who would be... I guess they could hire some college student to, to I don't know, or, or Japanese language <laughs> teacher. I have no idea. I'm, I don't know uh, what Barnett. fight... Uh, fight Josh, TV. Bar- uh, Josh Barnett could do it. Oh, jo- oh yeah, I forgot Josh Barnett yeah. does know Japanese as well. Okay. He, he's, fa- he's fairly fluent, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Matt, Matt Stryker and Josh Barnett, yeah, I got no problem. With that. And you got the or, MMA thing right there as well, because he yeah, knows. Or, uh, or, you know, who else is extremely fluent and only works one day a week is Kenny Omega. He he, uh, he used to live in Japan. He knows the language front and back. He can write it and read it and everything. He'd also be a good guy. And he did MMA before he got into pro wrestling. And AEW's on fight, baby. Yep. Okay, uh, that'd be even that'd be even cooler. Yes. Oh, get Kenny Omega because then you get the you get you'll have the wrestling fans. You'll have re- those the AEW fans uh, who love uh, who love AEW, Japanese, all that. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. You should definitely let Fight TV know about that, and then they I, should send you a thousand dollars or a thousand Fight TV credits for that. Yeah. But let's uh, let's get into the first fight, uh, which was a uh, kickboxing match uh, at the flyweight uh, weight of fifty seven kilograms. Kenichi Takauchi defeated Naoya by decision. Uh, kickboxing matches in Ryzen are nine minutes, three rounds, uh, or they get finished by three knockdowns or a knockout. So, um, uh, Mike, I want to just get your thoughts on this match. Um, I know uh, if you remember, it's a first fight, so I don't know how much you remember much of it. But if you do, tell me what you thought about it. And, yeah, just tell me, tell, say all, all your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, you know, I, I had just picked up, I want to say, about halfway through this fight, so I, I think you could probably speak on it a little better than I can, but um, I, I, I thought, uh, how do you pronounce the name, Takauchi? Yeah, Takauchi, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought he looked great. Um, I Now, this one, was this one a controversial decision? No, not at all. In fact, no, yeah. the funny thing was that Takauchi, I watched a bunch of his matches before we uh, 
before we did the preview show, and I thought, and I thought this guy was boring as fuck. And, but and yeah. and yeah. but like in this match, this was like the best match I've ever saw him. And I don't know why, if it was because he was in Ryzen, and it was like bigger crowd. But he he looked like he looked like world beater. He looked looked great in this. Yeah, you know, so I, I missed the first part of it. I, I caught I caught the second half of it. I was really impressed with him. Uh, you know, I thought uh, Naoya was you know hung in there pretty tough, but yeah, no, he. So this was the first time I had seen him, and I I, I thought he looked really good. And also, uh, the Takuchi got definitely got this uh, because he got the uh, yeah a standing knee knockdown. So he basically was standing, gave a knee uh, to Naoya, and knocked him down in the second. That was basically how he... I mean, he was controlling the fight for the entire three rounds, but that definitely sealed the deal for him. Um, are you a fan of the rise of kickboxing uh, matches, or do you feel that they do too many, or do you just want to see tension? What are your thoughts on the uh, kickboxing matches overall? Well, so if it means I get more tension, I want them to have more of it, but I, I am actually a fan of kickboxing. I, I think it... Uh, I, I like the fact that they, they don't just stick to MMA. They're very well-rounded. Um, and I, I think they do add a unique flavor to the show that you don't really get anywhere other than in Japan. Mm -hmm. Great, great. And speaking of uh, kickboxing, we got to talk about the next one because it is a big boys match, a heavyweight 120-kilogram match between Kosuke Jitukata, Kosuke Jitukata uh, defeating Ryu Sakai by knockout in the first round, 1 minute and 28 seconds. Uh, Jitukata is a professional Muay Thai and uh, orthodox kickboxer, while Ryo Sukai is an MMA fighter who currently has an under 300 record. So, what do you think about this fight, and was it smart to put up an MMA guy against a professional kickboxer in a kickboxing match, Mike? Well, I, I think the end result that they got is exactly what they wanted, so yes, I think it was a smart idea on Ryzen's part, because uh, you know they, they were obviously looking at uh, getting this guy over. Um, Sorry to use my pro wrestling analogies. You can stop me at any point, but uh, they were. I, I think this is what they wanted, and I, I personally love to see the big guys go at it. And yes. So this was highly entertaining for me, and it was a good knockout. I, I loved it. The problem with the big guys is that if it doesn't end in the second round, that's usually a. I mean, the first round. Excuse me. In the first round, it's usually a bad sign. That means like oh, oh yeah. That they're gonna go all. It's gonna become. <laughs> A, uh, it's going to become like a Derek Lewis, Francis Naganu situation. That's usually a bad sign. Uh, yeah. Once once you get past that second round, you probably don't need to watch anymore. But the first like round and a half is usually highly entertaining because it's just these big dudes throwing leather, and I love it. Exactly. Now, just to let you know as well, Sakai has a 7-10 and 10 record. Uh, and apparently he had, he had one kickboxing match when he first started... Uh, when he was starting up as an MMA fighter, still don't think I don't know. I, I one of one of my buddies, um, uh, Zach from uh, Bad Moon Rising, a lot he had a whole panel and a bunch of them picked Sakai to win. I'm just thinking like, how do you, how can you pick the MMA guy to win in a kickboxing match? I just don't understand the how you think you know someone going to somebody else's sport usually is not successful. We saw that yeah. with Michael Jordan in baseball. We saw that with uh, talk about boxing, Conor McGregor. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, uh, James Tony, and Randy Couture in MMA. It's just I don't understand when people think that. Uh, why do you think somebody would think that Sakai could win, uh, Mike? Maybe you know maybe they were thinking that this would be an Alistair Overeem or a Mark Hunt. Well, actually, Mark Hunt was a kickboxer first, had a lot of success in MMA, so it does happen. Um, but 
either either they didn't really you know know much about either fighter going into it or 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 what or maybe they were hopeful that the MMA guy would win and there's maybe an MMA bias there yeah. um but I I didn't see anything on this that would uh I I kind of saw this coming once I looked at this on paper I was like no this is absolutely what's going to happen we also do something called uh if they're wise and worthy um and uh I just would like to ask uh, for uh you uh Mike for Takauchi and Naoya and Judokata and Sakai do you think that uh, who do you think of these four are wise and worthy or which combination, or none of them? Who do you think they should bring back? Who do they sh- think they should not bring back? Well, you know, obviously, you know, the the guys that won should come back. I mean, they, they were, you know, they they were able to look impressive, and you should absolutely bring those guys back. Um, Sakai, you know, if you're trying to to build somebody up, and you you need a, a, a jobber to get out there and take an L. I guess you could bring them back. I, I would hate to see somebody get hurt, though, but that's kind of the culture in Japan. They do that. So it, it doesn't really bother me, if that makes any sense. No. Um, so, um, But if, if there's a guy on the chopping block, I would say it'd be Sakai. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, here's the thing as well. He's Rocky Martinez defeated him in deep. Um, actually beat him. I think he beat him to get the, uh, Megaton, cha- the Megaton Championship, if I remember correctly. Uh, is currently having a under seven five hundred records. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I know that the MMA that they do things differently. It's not so much the record; it's more about the performance in Japanese MMA. But where eventually does the record become? Yeah, you've lost your Bob Sapp. You've lost your last eighteen matches. You know, do we really want to use you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it, it it's twofold, right? I mean, he comes in and fights hard, right? You can tell that there's an effort. Bob Sapp was coming in, taking two hits, and then tapping out, yeah. right? He was he was clearly throwing fights. So, you, but he is a huge attraction. So, um, but in in Japan, they they really love the fighting spirit. So it's like if you have a sub 500 record, but you still fight really hard, they they like to see you come back. Uh, you know, Fujita could come back and actually fight an MMA fight, and he would draw a crowd. Oh, absolutely. He has zero chance of winning a fight right now. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so, um, you know, that, that's just the way it is in Japan. I've come to accept that about Japanese MMA as part of the culture. My, my thing is, I just don't want to see somebody get hurt for the rest of their lives. And th- in this sport, that is very dangerous when you got a guy who's clearly not at the level of, uh, of your average fighter in Ryzen. If you're bringing him in there, he could get hurt, so that gets a little scary. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, for the next match that we had was a featherweight match, a very rare featherweight match in Ryzen uh, at 66 kilograms between Azerbaijan's Vukir Kirimov, the training partner of fellow Azerbaijani Tofik Musayev, also the winner of the Lightweight Grand Prix, uh, defeating Kyle Agon, who is also a training partner of Rocky Martinez at Spike 22 in Guam. Uh, Karimov defeated uh, Agon by unanimous decision. And, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, what did you think about this fight? Did you know either of these fighters beforehand? Uh, what were your thoughts going into this fight? And what are your thoughts coming out of the fight? Uh, you know, on, on, on this one, um, I, I didn't really know either guy, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't remember too much about it. Like, it's over a week ago, so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and lean on your experience with this one and, and, uh, and you know, listen to what you have to say about it. Oh, well, basically, Karimov, other than a triangle choke in the second round that I have no idea how uh, Algon got to Karimov in a triangle choke, and somehow Karimov got out of it. I have no idea how. The unique thing about this fight 
Both fighters going to this fight have never been finished. They've lost only by decision, these two. Um, but they have never been finished in an MMA fight. And Kirimov was going on a, I think, a 10-fight win streak at the time. Uh, Algon had just lost a very close fight to Isao Kobayashi and Pancreas. Um, but this, I, I think what this fight was... There's a, a lot of word going around that there might be a featherweight tournament this oh. year in Ryzen, a Grand Prix. Um, probably, I, I don't know if it's the crown champion or to just do a Grand Prix thing uh, to just have a tournament. But because that's the one thing that, that Ryzen has not really... Other than middleweight and welterweight, the featherweight division has, has really gone... They, initially, they had Crone Gracie on their roster. And then when they took Crone... Basically, they had no other featherweights. Kawajiri went down to uh, bantam, back to bantamweight, then he went to lightweight. Um, yeah, the, all the good featherweight fighters seem to be either in one, in Pancras, Shudo, or in UFC right now, or Bellator. Um, so there's. Well, a, can I ask you a question about that? And yeah. Maybe you can educate me on this. So I, I do know that the. Uh, the, the fighters in Japan, they actually bounce around between organizations a lot. Are they on, um, you know, uh, contracts that are unique to each organization, or are they able to bounce around as often as they want? So, like, if, if a fighter is with Pancras, is he then allowed to fight with Ryzen 2, or is he exclusive to Pancras? Well, you know what the interesting thing is now is that with, with some of these shows being on the UFC Fight Pass, that actually, my understanding is that it has actually created a little bit of a complication sometimes uh, with some fighters. My understanding is that is that they can bounce around a lot of them. Uh, if, but like, say if like a champion, uh, whoever uh, your champion of uh, Pancreas, you uh, you cannot take another fight uh, uh, that that conflicts with a championship match or something like that, uh, which is understandable. Um, so they can bounce around the the, the exclusivity. My okay. So with Ryzen, I was told. That they can take other fights at other places as long as it doesn't conflict with a Ryzen date. They Ryzen has no has no you can't work has none of their has has no restrictions uh, for their fight contracts. They even you know they even said that you can fight for UFC if you want. Really, UFC is the only one that has any general restrictions on yeah. their fighters. Uh, one I don't even think has. Those they might just have you can't fight for Ryzen, but they allow them to fight in other places. But they also they also have a lot of fighters who really most of them come from Singapore or Thailand, so a lot of them are kickboxers. So there's you know they're not fighting usually outside of their home countries anyway. Um, right. And well, you know, with for a featherweight tournament, then maybe they would partner up with Bellator like they've done in the past. I think that would be a good idea to you know if they need some more horses, right? Just call over to Bellator and see if they can get a couple bodies. I absolutely think that would be great to, you know, definitely get some of the Bellator people, especially because, yeah, the, the Ryzen, Bellator, I mean, the Ryzen featherweight roster, very thin right now, very, very thin. Um, unless you want to have banner weights going up, or, you you know, you're going to have older fighters, you know, like Kawajiri trying to make featherweight again, which I don't recommend. Uh, uh, that's, yeah, they're going to probably have to find a lot of people outside Japan to for this potential, um, belt, uh, not Bellator, uh, Rise and Featherweight tournament. Uh, but yeah, I think getting a lot of them from Bellator would probably be the, would be a great idea. 
um, to do that. I don't know when they're going to do it. Uh, hopefully, you know, they would have, you know, with the whole coronavirus, coronavirus has basically fucked every sporting session. Everything, pro wrestling, sports, maybe the Olympics. So, who knows? We may not even get a, a tournament this year. They may not even have the, the infrastructure because they just, you can't, because coronavirus might just fuck it all over. So, you know, they might just have a bunch of featherweight fights, which I'm not against, but, you know, Hopefully this whole coronavirus thing gets gets squared away. They can do a tournament. They can rent out arenas. The Olympics can happen. They can scout. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you do, you, do anything else? Do you remember anything else about the fight or anything you can recall call by any chance, Mike? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I thought it was a good fight. Um, yeah, but I, I don't remember too much other than about it. You know, I, I think that it was a – they had a clear, pretty clear victory, right? Was, uh, uh, Karamov was clearly the winner. Yes, there. yes. Um, now, not a clear winner, or I should say, in the eyes of some people, this was the winner of this was not the winner. It was this bantamweight 61 kilogram match uh, between former UFC fighter and train uh, a trainer at the a student at the um, fighter, excuse me, at the Sarah BJJ Longo fight team in New York. Naoki Inouye, also sister, sister. I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind right now. I'm having a stroke <laughs> for some reason. The brother of Mizuki Inouye, who now fights for UFC, defeated Trent Gurdum from Australia, who trains out of uh, Tiger Muay Thai, uh, uh, George Hickman, uh, Tiger Muay Thai in uh, Thailand, by unanimous decision. Now, do you remember this fight? By any I chance? Do so yes, I I do remember this fight. I actually watched it a second time. Because uh, this is where I, I felt like the show really started to pick up was this fight. And I called this my uh, my fight of the night. And I watching it live, I thought that Gurdum won. But I have to be honest, I was grading that as an American fan and a grading it by, based on American scoring. And so somebody did reach out to me and on Twitter and said that it was uh, the reason why they felt that Inouye won was because that in the second round, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the second round, he was actually a lot closer to finishing the fight in that second round. Um, he almost had a submission on, and um, but I thought that Gurdum clearly won round one and three, and I gave him those two rounds. I thought he, I thought he won the fight, but because Inouye um, was closer to winning and he had the most dominant round in the second round, that's why they gave him the fight. That's what was explained to me. So do you still ha have him as a winner for this match? Uh, uh, so if I if I'm scoring it as an American, and maybe that's a little American biased, that fight. Gotcha. I, he controlled. I thought he controlled most of the fight. He landed the most shots. Um, but you know, in a way, in the second round was a lot more dominant. He had a dominant position. He almost had a submission. So I I, I think that if you if you're gonna score it that way, then that that makes sense. But me personally, just watching the fight with my ignorant eyes, I I thought Gurdon won. You know, it's it's. It's weird because watching this fight, it was, you know, I think under, I think you said it best. I think under unified rules, Gurdum wins uh, based on the first takedown. He got a takedown on Naoki anyway in the last few seconds of the round in the first and the third. And there have been many fights where that had, where a takedown, that's basically how John Jones won the first Alexander Gustafsson fight, was because he got a takedown the last few seconds of that round. And he presumably was going to lose, I don't know if he would have anyway, but pres that was presumption that he was going to, he would lose if it had not been, 
that takedown had not happened. Uh, so I think under, yes, unified rules, Gurdam wins. Uh, but under the the Ryzen rules, which, you know, scores, it's, it, it's everything, everything is taken, it, it, they score everything as a whole. And, you know, I like that sometimes, but my problem is also that when the first round ends, you kind of have to have, have an idea of who's winning, who's losing. There has to be some sort, you know, there, it doesn't have to be clear cut, but it's like, oh yeah, you know, this person's winning based on the uh, on what they did in the first round. And then maybe the second round, you can then start to add up everything. But uh, I know it's, it, it's, it's, you know, this whole, there's been so much talk about MMA judging and, you know, should, should the judges be, do open scoring? Should they not even be in the arena? How, like, should there be 10 judges or 11 judges I've heard? Um, there's really never been any bad judging, I think, in Ryzen so far. The few to- the one fight I can remember where I remember hearing people say that they thought somebody else won was, I don't know if you saw the King Reina cindy Dandois match from... I did not, know. It was a split decision win for cindy Dandois. And I thought, okay, I'm hearing, I'm here. they announced this as split decisions. They're going to give it to Reina based on hometown advantage. But they didn't, which I thought was very interesting. Now, Daniel Rubenstein, you know who he? Do you know who he is by any chance? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh gosh, yes, I do. MMA manager for many, many, many fighters. I'm presuming also yeah, Trent Gurdum. Uh, he and, said and he also manages pro wrestlers. I think he's a Jake Hager's manager from Bellator, and I've, I've, uh, he's been on Ariel Hawani show a few times. Yeah, I know who he is. Um. Not, not to mention, he's going to be involved in a uh, in disputing a decision from the UFC show yesterday on the Ian Kutaleba, and uh, I forgot his opponent's name, the uh, Russian guy. They're going to be he's going to be protest. He's going to be appealing that decision. This decision, he said that Naoki in a way won because it was the ho- he, he was the hometown uh, favorites. Uh, basically, he, he's Japanese, fought in a Japanese MMA promotion, and was in Japan, so that's why he won. Do you think that was at all a consideration? But, I, you know, there's always a little bit of hometown cooking when it comes into judging, and I, I don't think it's the judges themselves. I do think that they they uh, pay too much attention to the audience, um, and they they react along with the audience, and and sometimes that can be problematic. But when you're a foreign fighter and you're going on a Japanese soil, you you need to be prepared for those things. Is it fair exactly? No, but then you need to kick more ass when you get there, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, that that's you know here you know here's the thing is that I also wonder how much defense is played into MMA scoring and just anywhere if it do you happen to know if, if because the I point to the second round I don't think it was the second round when um where Trent Gurdum was almost tapped out by a rear naked choke twice and actually I think the first time Naoki anyway had it in but Gurdum just is very durable he managed to get out of it do you remember that yeah yeah. And so, and I thought what you said was very interesting when you said that he was close to tapping out. I don't think Gurdum thinks he was close to tapping out. In fact, I bet if you were to ask him right now, he said, "No, I wasn't close at all. He had it tied in, but I knew I could defend it. It just, I just had to let him uh, loosen up a little bit and uh, weather the storm." So he might have had him in a compromising position, but that does not mean he was close to tapping out. And so I, I do think that the the judges need to be a little bit more educated on just how much defense comes into play. Um, and, so here's why and I've always wondered. He was able to get out of those holes and, and score them appropriately because he had such great defense. Here's the thing I've always wondered: if you're some like, should you be 
should submission attempts be even scored? Here's the thing. The whole idea of a submission is supposed to be one and done, usually. One and done. You got the submission, they tapped out. But if you cannot get the submission and the, your opponent gets out, does that should that weigh more on, uh, on, on you because you couldn't get your opponent to tap out? I don't know. I feel like almost it should. Yeah. It should, you should no, I, so if you were to do it, so like um, I don't really have an analogy for it, but it's say, say you put somebody in an arm bar, right, and say that gives you a point, right? But if they get out of it, they should get like half a point. Now, that's never going to happen in scoring, but that's just the way that I see it. Like they should get credit for getting out of it, but you should get more credit for your offensive maneuver. Because uh, when you throw a strike, you get a point. But if, if it doesn't do damage or if it gets blocked, like partly, then then also the defensive fighter should also get get some credit there, but not as much credit as the person on offense, right? Yeah. No, that's why I think you know it, you know it's it's not you know it's you submission attempts don't happen as frequently as 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 you know stand up punching, kicking, all that stuff. So there has to be some sort of uh, um, I think p- uh, there's got to be some sort of level where they are judged. Where okay, you went for you went for the triangle choke. You had the person in the triangle choke for three minutes, but they're not tapping out. I think that's a little. Uh, 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 oh, hey, Christian! Thank you for joining in, uh, Mike. Christian, uh, my co-host, is joining us. Hi, Christian. Mike Gilbert. Nice to meet you. Hey, you're you're that Combat Republic guy on Twitter, right? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, we, I see, see, and has the show already begun, Andrew? Yes, we're actually. We're, I'm actually glad we have you here because we were talking about Naoki Inoue and Trent Gurdam. I wanted to get your thoughts on who you thought won, and just yeah, was Gurdam was obviously was pissed off at the way that uh, at the way it was scored. He's he's been all over social media calling Naoki Inoue his bitch. He stormed out of the ring as well. First of all, when it comes to the entire show, and I don't know if you just started this podcast or not, just started the recording without me, I understand, but the entire show was basically, I mean, up until the last minute, people thought that they weren't even going to watch it at all, but luckily Fight TV came in as the saving grace, even though we got Matt Striker on commentary, at least he tried. Oh no, we talked about that. We talked about how horribly promoted this show was. It, it was a, yeah, that, actually that was an understatement. I think that's that Mike, you said it best. It was that's an understatement. Yeah, absolutely. but the point of the matter is the point of the matter is, even though, you know, we got almost shit canned, you know, for even trying to see this show, if it was even gonna get shown in the US, I think this show done all right even though there was a lot of oddities. Like, for example, that fucking jujitsu exhibition, the fact that there were three fights that took place unaired and none of them were shown, but obviously later, Ryzen would put all their fucking fights on YouTube, which, hey, if you didn't pay for the twenty nine ninety nine or however much it was, it was affordable to watch it on YouTube, and I hope they continue. I hope y'all will talk about that even further with me. But still, y'all talk about the Trent Gurdam, Naoki, and UA fight. I mean, obviously, we, we talked about this in the preview, Andrew. The fight was evenly matched. Oh, yeah, that was the... That, 
That's why I love this fight so much because they were virtually had almost the same record, same age, same height. They, yet they fight so differently. That's what this was. Was what was so much intriguing about the fight. Exactly, but I don't blame Trent Gurdon for wanting a rematch against Dalton anyway. It's just the fact that when it comes down to this, I mean, yeah, he probably should have been more focused on his efforts in the first fight. He probably should have been more focused on how he was going to, you know, combat Naoki's skills going into this fight instead of, you know, bitching, grabbing, and moaning about how he didn't come out with a decision. If he, if he would have dominated that fight a little more than, you know, getting dominated on by anyway, I think that he would have probably had a finish in that fight. Well, here's the, I thought he won the stand-up. I thought he was... You know, I, I gave I give Inouye a lot of credit for you know wanting for actually trying to stand with Gurdon, but I thought that Gurdon was the clear winner when it came to the stand up, and even Gurdon got two two full takedowns on Inouye in the first and the third, uh, actually both near the very end, and but the second round was when he did the most awful where he where he uh, you know he got it's almost submitted or appeared that he could have got submitted with those two rear naked chokes uh, that uh, Inouye tried to put on him. Well, yeah, you no, know, it's it's the. I think had this been, I said this before uh, you came on, Christian. That had this been a, a a judge under unified rules, Gurdon would be the winner. But because it's judged as a whole and just Ryzen judges, that's how they judge matches in Ryzen. Also on damage and uh, how quickly or how if you are attempting to finish your opponent, that's why in a way won. I would say that a rematch is actually probably... And here's the thing as well. They said it was a unanimous, unanimous decision. So they didn't think that Gurdon won any round, which I actually think is a little bit insulting because I at least would have given him at least, I would say, the first round. I, I gave him the first yeah. and the third. I mean, basically, if the fight was scored round by round, like how it is in the unified rules, not, you know, like what's happened. Yeah, shit. I mean, come to think of it, if anything, given the fact that these two men, you know, busted their asses, I think that these two fighters would be a perfect fit for that um, brawl international event in Guam that they got in March. I don't know if they got, you know, any clearances on how it's going to be shown, but if you've seen the rules, they know damn well they're not going to rely on judges. Maybe they should... Maybe anyway, and Gurdon should take their fight over to Guam mm -hmm. and just fight each other basically to the death. I actually do think a rematch would be in order. I I, don't, I would have no problem with a rematch. I know that Inouye probably doesn't want to do it because he probably thinks that Gurdon doesn't deserve it, but I'm guessing Gurdon would love the chance at a rematch. Um, Mike, what do you think? But, but, but Andrew, oh, sorry. Yeah? let's just say if this rematch doesn't happen. Who do you think would be a viable opponent for either one of these men? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, um, I guess you know with Inouye winning, um, and I eventually finding somebody to eventually face the. Well, I guess if we're gonna go up the 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 random weight rankings, trying to do it in my head right now. Um, maybe one is not gonna be Manel. Okay. Nope, not yet, at least. You probably could do uh, him versus uh, 
Yuto Kintaro, uh, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later, since they both won their matches. You put Yuto Kintaro Hokumula against either one of these two, they're not going to make it out the first round. You don't think so? I think it's a compelling fight. Also, man, I mean, the dude's a fucking monster. You've seen his fight. we all seen his fight. But I think that a perfect opponent for either one of these men would be a man who, earlier this morning, for deep, as of this recording, we're recording on March 1st, but earlier this morning, he defeated, I mean, but earlier this morning, Yuki Motoya got back on the winning track, defeating Takafumi Otsuka via decision, so... I mean, and that was in deep, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, Yuki Motoya would be a better opponent for either one of these two men. Okay, that's Thank a good you. choice. I have no problem with that. Um, I thought of one, but I want to give Mike a chance uh, to... Uh... Especially, especially in the case of NUA because of the fact that NUA also fights for deep. That's true, that's true. Uh, Mike, do you have any ideas who you would put NUA against, or would you do a rematch between NUA and Gurdum? What are your thoughts? I kind of want to see a rematch. Uh, you know, I I think that Gurdum's doing his part in, in talking some shit to try to get some interest for this fight. And I got to be honest, I'm interested. I, you know, I, I don't think in a way he's going to give it to him, nor, no. nor would I blame him if he didn't. But, you know, if if you're asking me and if I'm like a promoter, I, I want to I wanna promote guys that are going to talk shit that have a little bit of heat between them. And this fight, I, I thought was a great fight and I would love to see it again. Uh, the other person who I was thinking of for in a way... And I'm curious to hear both of you. What about Patrick Mix from Bellator? <laughs> that would know be cool. <laughs> the the guy has. I mean, I'm just also a Patrick Mix fan. I just want to see him on every MMA show that I watch. I honestly do. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's really fun to watch. I mean, come to think of it, Mix is a little preoccupied with the Bellator bantamweight division right now. But hey, what's one more submission for Patrick Nola Mix in Ryzen gonna do to hurt anybody? Now, what about Gurdum though? You know, he's zero two in Ryzen. Uh, what do you do with him next? Uh, Mike? Maybe you put a, Maybe you uh, you know give him. A, I don't want to say a, a a lesser opponent, but maybe he goes back down the the rankings there a little bit back down a little bit lower on the card and, and works his way back up. Easy I mean, answer. Or, you know, have him fight in one of the partner promotions. Maybe Deep wouldn't mind, mind getting Gert him onto their card. Maybe, potentially, one of these promotions in Australia wouldn't mind getting Gert him onto a card. I have an answer. I have an, uh, well, I have a few. Um, Kenji Katao, who lost his match earlier in the night. I think that would be an easy tune-up match for Gurdum, I think. Um, if you want to put... put I'm saying that because Katal won his fight via decision. No, uh, no, no, no. Kenji Katal lost. Uh, that was the, the Kintaro fight. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, that would probably be an easy tune-up fight for him. If you want to really... If he wants to really challenge himself, you know, if he want to kind of wants to get, like, maybe jump up two steps on the ladder... Um, maybe Ishiwatari. I think that'd be an interesting matchup. Uh, uh I don't think Shintaro Ishiwatari would be a good matchup styles-wise mm-hmm. for Gurdum. Or, you know, what about Kai Azakura? <laughs> Hell no! 
So it looks like we have to really start at the bottom of the barrel. Unfortunately, we got he's gonna he's gonna have to like scrape scrape the not exactly under five hundred record people, but close to under five hundred bantamweights uh fighters. Unfortunately for Gurdum, uh, it sucks. Yeah. He's a good fighter. Gurdum is a good fighter. Um, the Henry fight he was winning. Don't forget he did win. He was winning that fight until the very end. In, in my eyes, I thought he was winning. Um, yeah, before he got choked out. Um, with that. Um, oh, they, uh, Mike, you still got time to talk? I know you said you had, like, an hour. Yeah, so you got me for a little bit longer, and then I, I gotta go do the, do the dad thing here pretty soon. Gotcha. Well, what a, I don't know if this will be the last, I don't know if this will be the last thing we talk about because of just how long it was, or if this will be, we'll just breeze through this, but I have, I don't know how to start off with this, with this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grappling gauntlet that we had next um with roberto satoshi de souza going through a child a senior citizen um a partially uh paralyzed guy um breaking uh yuki nakai's shoulder and just and, and also facing off against a comedian a comedian white belt um this was a strange affair, I have to say. I had no idea what was going to happen, um, but I was intrigued uh, by by this idea of having De Souza in the gi. By the way, this is De so uh, This was a grappling, a ten minute grappling match in the gi, where De Souza had to basically beat everybody within the time limit, or else he would lose. So there was no resetting of the time. They only stopped the time for like I don't know a minute or what before they got the next person in the ring. Um, Mike, what did you think about this thing? I don't know what else to ask. Yeah, this might have been one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. So it, you know, true true story. So I uh, th this one came on kind of late, right uh, here on the West Coast, and I was up late watching it, and all of a sudden I'm seeing a grown man beating up on a little girl. And I'm like, I hear my wife getting up, and I'm like, what the fuck is my wife going to think if she sees me in here watching a grown-up beating up a child in a, in a ring? And I would have to try to explain to her exactly what I was doing. Fortunately, when he, when he choked her out, which is so funny to say when this grown man choked out this little girl, he did it in the nicest way possible. <laughs> he, was, he was extremely gentle about it. And uh, I, I don't know what else to say about it other than it was super weird. It was pretty entertaining. I don't know that I ever want to see anything like it ever again on an MMA show, um, but it, it really did not bother me that much, and it was kind of funny. Yeah, so basically, so this is how it went down. The uh, Souza uh, submitted Yuna Kimura, a 13-year-old high school girl who does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, in 46 seconds of the first round. That's actually happened. Next, he fought a comedian, a white belt comedian named Koji Shigemizu, um, and again, like he was clearly like, I guess, I guess the the term is flow rolling until he was like, yeah, I want to get this over with, and then tapped him out by armbar. Next, he faced Edison Kagohara, um, who is a para, what, what, what is it called? A, what do you, para, not paraplegic? Para but he's also. 
one of the founding members of the Asian, I mean, I think he's a member of the Asian Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's with the Overlimited Worldwide Association. Uh, he has no use of his left arm, I believe. Uh, I think it's kind of like a John Jacques no, Machado thing where, yeah, they basically had to get on, like, become, like, so strong with their other uh, limb to uh, basically dominate their opponents. Um, and then after that, he um, tapped out uh, Hiroshi Shinagawa, uh, who, oops, sorry, no, sorry, I'm, uh, yeah, Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Shinagawa, who was, who was a legit black belt, but I like to always say there's black belts and there's black belts, and Roberto Satoshi D'Souza is a black belt. His black belt is worth more than yours. That's just how it is. And he submitted him by triangle choke. And then he went on to Yuki Nakai. Former MMA fighter. Uh, fought at Valley Tudo, Japan. BTJ. Um, also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And he had a triangle choke on him. It was going for Kimura. And he actually pulled uh, Nakai's shoulder out. I think he dislocated it. Because uh, if you did, if you watch the match, and I don't know if you both noticed this, Nakai says something to the Souza. He like he like he like says something to him when he when he goes for that Kimura. Did any of you notice that? Yeah, no, I caught that. It kind of looked like when I would watch wrestling, and they're like calling a spot almost. Yeah, I. But my understanding, is that, I did not. I think my understanding is that he told that like I guess in Japanese because uh, the Souza, even though he's from Brazil. Was, was in Japan, speaks fluent Japanese, said, uh, my, I dislocated my shoulder. So then that's why he just went to a regular triangle choke uh, and submitted him that way. So, I mean, what did you, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that the Souls was going to was, was lose this unless he was, like, going to lose this, uh, like, deliberately. Right. What did you, what did you think of this, okay. Christian? And I hate to interrupt even though it's kind of my thing. I'm going to have to ask... Mike, the same question that I asked you during the preview for this show. When it comes to this, Mike, when it comes to this jujitsu exhibition, what were your thoughts about this compared to the other couple of times that Ryzen has done jujitsu exhibitions? Of course, we're talking about the tag team jujitsu match that featured Bonda Lady Axe Murder with Silva four years ago and the match between Kazushi Sakuraba and Frank Shamrock from three years ago. Uh, yeah, so if I had to, to place this one on the three of those exhibitions, this would be at the very bottom of what of what I would want to see. I, I, you know, I don't think that they needed to do anything like this. I, you know, they could have put him in there with somebody legitimate and it would have been a lot better to watch. And I, there were parts of it that were just uncomfortable and you know, it was just it was just kind of super weird, and I, I am not really all that interested in it. I think it, it almost screams like they couldn't find any other MMA fighters, so they're like, "What do we do for time? What, what do we what do we do for time? Like, if it was just a regular jujitsu matchup between the Souza and somebody else, but you got like a total of you got five other people on this, so it almost was like, yeah, it almost felt like they had no they had they couldn't even book any other MMA fights for whatever reason." And they're like, let's have five people take on one person. That's what that's what how I felt like 
Yeah, it, it was it, it was just it was just super weird. Uh, it was intriguing, but it, it was super weird. I I do like the fact that they do these jujitsu um, exhibitions on these shows. I think they're fun. I happen to enjoy watching jujitsu. So, um, but this it was just eh. You know, I could I don't need to see that. I did say the, the in our Ryzen resolutions episode that I want Ryzen to sign the highest free agent right now in in combat in jujitsu. That's Gordon Ryan. I think if they got Gordon Ryan, that would be one of the biggest coups that they could get. And if you want to do like a, a, a big grappling match, let's say DeSouza versus, uh, 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 sorry, uh, Gordon Ryan, I think that could get a lot of interest. Uh, that would, that would I, or even if they want to get Sakuraba and Gordon Ryan, I think stuff like that would immediately. <laughs> I don't think that you would. I think no, 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 in a, in a grappling match, not not MMA match, not MMA match. I mean, I'm just saying, it's grappling match with you know Frank Shamrock left little to the imagination, just as much as his ass kicking that he got from Shinyaoki made everybody want to cry. I know, I know, but I but with that, with that, that was a different that you know, Gordon Ryan isn't going to stall. You know, Frank Shamrock and, and Sakuraba were having way too much fun in that match. And Gordon Ryan ain't going to do shit like that. Gordon Ryan is going is to take you down to the ground immediately and go for, for the heel hook. So I think it would at least that, that would at least be interesting, uh, at least, to do. Just like, you know, do something, have like a, like a, just a big-time grappling match. I mean, on paper, Sakuraba and Shamrock sounds great. And originally it was supposed to be Henderson versus Sakuraba. So I... I think that would have been great as well. Uh, I, uh, people love this grappling stuff. People like to see these 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 uh, super fights, as they call them. I, I, would you be interested in seeing see something like that, Mike? Uh, I I love Sakuraba, and I'll be like anytime I see Sakuraba do anything, I'm always interested. I don't ever want to see him get punched in the face ever again. But if the guy still wants to compete and it's a jujitsu match, I wouldn't mind seeing him get choked out by somebody. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and I, I actually just recently watched him on YouTube doing uh, some pro wrestling matches for Pro Wrestling Noah. And I was like, and he's still just as entertaining as he ever was. So I, I love soccer. I'll watch him do anything. Yes, yes. He's still, he's still, he's still great after all these years. Um, hey, guys. So, hey, I, I, you guys got me for a little bit longer than I, than I was thinking. I, I do have to run. Uh, I just wanted to take this time to thank you guys for having me on. And I want to thank you guys for uh, helping reintroduce me into Japanese MMA. I I listened to your show and uh, it really helped me get educated on on Ryzen and all things Japanese MMA because I was away from it for such a long time. And I apologize to your listeners for not being as educated as they're normally used to. But I, I am learning as I go here, and I really appreciate all that you guys do and all the hard work you guys put into it. And I do plan on ripping you guys off and put your stuff on my blog site. Whenever this episode's up and all your episodes going forward, if I'm doing a preview of them, I will, you know, put your show up on my blog site and I will take some notes and uh, I'll be tweeting right along with you guys. And uh, so if you guys could just follow me at the Combat Republic, at Combat Republic on Twitter and uh, check out all, all the bullshit that I post. And if anybody's interested in writing a blog, hit me up and uh, I'll put you on the site and we'll, we'll go from there. So I really do thank you guys for having me on the show. No problem, no problem, Mike. Uh, hopefully next time we can get you on a, for a preview show, uh, or also we'll be covering Bloodsport as well. We'd definitely love to have that since it's pro wrestling and uh, oh. kind of MMA. 
Yeah, no, dude, I I am all in on Bloodsport. You just let me know, and I will be there, and uh, I will carve out extra time so that we can uh, talk about Bloodsport. But I hear my daughter in the other room screaming, uh, "I gotta go be dad real quick and uh, get some dinner going." Don't do it. Don't do what Roberto De Souza did and choke out your your young daughter or <laughs> yeah. the young girl yeah. uh, crying for you. If I attempt to do that, my wife will choke me out, and uh, uh, she is the boss of this household. So I got I got to go help out in uh, in the other room. But I I really thank you guys for taking the time to have me on, and uh, and I mean you know, I wish I got a chance to talk about you know I'm just gonna skip ahead really yeah quick. go ahead go ahead go ahead I, I I wanted to talk about the main event Asakura and uh, Daniel Salas. Um, you know I I knew exactly what was about to happen before it happened. I knew that Salas was gonna get his ass kicked, but he forever has my respect for coming down to the ring to the theme from Desperado. Do you guys remember that movie? Yeah. Are you guys, how, how old are you guys? Well, he's 30. I'm 27. Okay, so I, I'm 36. So we're all, you know, not too too far away from age, but that was one of my favorite movies growing up with Antonio Banderas, such a badass. He had those guns in his guitar case, going around killing motherfuckers. Well, he came out to the ring of that, and I was like, man, I kind of want him to win, and he had his lucha mask on. Uh, unfortunately for him, his uh, his theme music and his mask could not save his face from getting it kicked, and Asakura put put a beating on that poor guy. But I hope that that Ryzen brings him back and gives him another opportunity, just just for the fact that he went in there and he took his beating like a man, and he entertained me on the way to the ring. So I did I did want to get that over. I, I thought Daniel Salas was cool, but. Asakura is a star. He is a bad motherfucker, and I want. I can't wait to see him fight again. Any other other fights that you just want to give a uh, any quick comments on before you head out, uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, obviously Victor Henry looked great. You know, he's a Josh Barnett guy, and so that always is going to tug on my heartstrings. I love Josh Barnett. I've been a big fan of his, even though he uh, partakes in the roids, and I think he got in trouble again here recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I, I happen to enjoy watching him fight. And uh, and obviously uh, Martinez I, uh, beating up on Shrek, I, that was a little sad, <laughs> but it was also very entertaining because I'm a sick person and I, I loved seeing it. But those soccer kicks to the to Shrek's big old head, uh, you know, it was kind of fucked up. But I, I, I enjoy stuff like that. So uh, I, I thought I thought up and down Ryzen, despite all the audio issues and the bullshit that led up to it. Um, I, I thought that the action more than made up for all the audio issues and the bullshit and the lack of promotion. Um, and they, they still have a, a big fan in me. They did not lose me as a viewer. And I, and hopefully this, uh, the coronavirus, or what they call it, COVID-19, hopefully they get that all cleared up here pretty soon, obviously, because I don't want anybody to die. But more importantly, I want to be able to watch these fights that are coming up in, uh, in April. So Ryzen, Ryzen 22 is in April, right? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be yeah. in April. It's going to be April 19th. As of now, as of now, I mean, well, they did say that they weren't, it might get canceled. It might actually get canceled. That's why I last heard. Or, or they could do it in empty arena, right? They could do it in empty arena. I think some some folks are doing that right now. Some of the pro wrestling and MMA promotions are doing that now. So you, you, you never really know. But I, I am looking forward to it regardless. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Daniel, we definitely would have it. Like, One more question oh, I want to ask is, what are your thoughts about Ryzen wanting to do a show at the Tokyo Dome? Hey, man, if they can put a big enough card in there and they can fill it, I you know, they they, they – you know that is a hard arena to fill. Have you have either of you guys ever been to the Tokyo Dome? I have, I have, uh, I have been, and yeah, it is. It's a baseball arena that somehow yeah. it, it became. It was a wrestling arena, then became a baseball arena. Now it's back to being a wrestling arena, and yeah, um, it has. It, a, it is, it is massive. I, I I was 
uh, there. I want to say it was in there 2005 or 2006 when I was uh, when I was stationed in Japan. I got to see Brock Lesnar uh, win the IWGP Championship, and uh, in in the Tokyo Dome, it was a huge thrill for me. And that place is massive. I I, I am excited for them to 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 do the Tokyo Dome to put on a fight there. Because I know that they're going to have to do a massive card to fill it. They're going to have to bring in some stars. They might have to get Fedor's old ass back in the ring and, and see if they can bring him in. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think Krokop's an option. I think he is no longer going to be able to fight because of his medical issues. But they're going to have to do something spectacular to be able to fill that place or to, to sell enough tickets to, to make it worth their while, right? So I, I am intrigued by it, absolutely. Great, great. Uh, Mike, again, thank you so much for your time. Definitely going to have you back on the show sometime, whether it's pro wrestling or rising. Appreciate it once again. Awesome. Yep. Awesome, guys. Take care. Take care, Mike. Oh. Uh, Christian, actually, I just wanted to ask as well. Not, um, what, uh, you brought up the YouTube thing. Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, as somebody, you know, you, you mentioned before that, you know, money can be tight at times and all that stuff. You said that you're happy that the Ryzen put their, all these, all the fights, including the, 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 the dark match kickboxing matches on their YouTube channel. Do you want to see them? What do you think was the reason why they did it this time and not in the past? And also, if you're Fight TV, would you be pissed off? Because basically, there's no reason to buy the Fight TV now. I mean, I'll just like to also say as well, the YouTube versions have no commentary, no graphics. So, if that bothers you, then buy the and Fight TV version. You know version. what? Let me just go ahead and say this now that we're... I mean, no disrespect, we're a little bit more freer to talk now. Yeah. But when it comes to the whole situation with Fight TV, obviously we dealt with the shitty audio, but it wasn't entirely the fault of Ryzen. It was the fault of Fight because they couldn't get their fucking mics in order. And Matt Stryker basically sounded like he was stuck in a hotel bathroom trying to take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but... Still, I think that when it comes down to, you know, the fact that the fights were uploaded on YouTube after the fact. I mean, yeah, it was cool for them to do that. Well, here's, the cool. Mikuru fight, I think, was uploaded literally the next day. I think that was the first fight mm -hmm. they uploaded. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because then again, you have to think about it. It's like back in the day when it came down to the big-time boxing bouts that used to be on HBO or on Showtime, and they used to show them the next weekend with some big-time fight from across the country, or even more recently when they had, like, fights take place halfway around the world, and then they coupled up with a big-time fight here in the States on that same day. It's the same day delay, but in my opinion... When it comes to what happened here, I mean, you have people shell out money just to see this, only to get disappointed and happen to leave because of poor audio quality and the fact that, you know, many people bitched and moan about the fact that the graphics weren't in English, they were in Japanese. When for somebody like me, who all I needed was the Twitter accounts just to, you know, jot down entrance music, it was all right. But still, when you put your fights up on YouTube, I get that it's cool for them to, you know, put this up, you know, save their asses and actually give a chance for people to watch the show. But 
you have to think about it now. If this continues to be a trend, and you already got people uploading fights with English commentary and hoping not to get shut down by Yahoo, Japan, and Giao on YouTube, for that matter. But if this continues to be a trend, you have to wonder what will make of the potential deal with Ryzen and Fight TV. Do you think it'll continue? Well, that's the thing, because if I'm Fight TV, I'd be pissed because... Unless you want the commentary, and you know, we got a lot of people say, oh, we don't want uh, the comments, we'd rather just watch with no commentary or even Japanese commentary. I think the only thing is the graphics, because I, because that's the only thing, because, you know, there are probably going to be some people who want to know, like, Tales of Tape and all that stuff, but, um, also, I think that people don't mind. You know, some people really can't understand centimeters and kilograms. Yeah, but also, you know, the entrances are not there as well, um. And no VTRs. The only reason, I mean, come to think of it, the only reason why those entrances and VTRs aren't on there is because Ryzen wants to save their asses from potential copyright violations. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I guess, you know, as a cheap alternative, it will be great. The only thing, though, is what I worry about is, let's say the Fight TV deal is... is, is Nil. It's not happening anymore. What ever going forward, they only upload on YouTube. That means we're gonna get we get the fights for free. What they're gonna be a day or two or a week late because as we saw, the main event was uploaded immediately the next day, but then the rest of the fights took about two, three, four days. They kind of went they went down the card uh, opposite from main event down to the uh, first fight. Um, it was basically the trickle down process. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's the thing as well. This fight, all you know, this show was also delayed for Fuji TV. What about the ones that are are Fuji TV Live? Are those going to be different? Are the Saitama shows going to be different? Is this Tokyo Dome show, which might happen, going to be different? Was was this the exception? Was this an experiment because this was a smaller show, uh, one of the one of the B level shows? I can't believe that they would do this. That they would sacrifice television ratings. Uh, the Gao partnership for a few a few thousand or a hundred thousand or in the case of the Osgur brothers million YouTube uh, views because um, I remember remember there was a, like a while where like no, no nothing combat sports related or wrestling related was getting monetized on YouTube because YouTube changed their entire policy so I don't, I'm, I'm assuming that Ryzen must have like a must get some sort of monetization I hope they do. If they're not, they're hoping that like get people watch these fights and that they get something that they become future customers. Oof, I don't know. I don't. That's that's more that's more of a of a pipe dream, I think. Um, I know. Come to think of it, dude, you also have to wonder, you know, why the hell didn't they do this, you know, for their past fights? Why the hell didn't and yeah. I mean, because like I've been stating, like we've been stating before, Ryzen has enough money in the tank nowadays to just basically put all these old fights that they've got, all five years worth of fights, onto like a streaming service, or now the case, potentially a YouTube channel where there's no commentary, it's just straight up fights. I mean, so that we wouldn't have, yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to think. 
Would Ryson do the same thing if they would have noticed that, you know, a lot of their fights from the first couple of events in December 2015 on the way up to April 2017 when the Fight TV deal started, do you think it would have... Do you think it would have been greater for them to just upload all those past fight cards? Yeah, I think so. Seen by the masses. I think so. I think so. Uh, it's it's really the TV rights and just rights things in general in Japan are a weird. It's a weird rule. A weird. Oh yeah, a weird uh, world because you know that the that the current all Japan pro wrestling sh- uh, company now. Doesn't own any of the rights to '90s All Japan stuff. That's all owned by I think uh, NHK, I believe, uh, the uh, the the television network. Uh, uh, so NHK owns all of the Kings Road All yeah. Japan material. Huh? Giant Baba. You would think that like, oh, All Japan must own all their stuff from before. No, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, so like a lot of the New Japan stuff. A lot of that is owned by TV Asahi, not ju- not New Japan itself. It's TV rights in Japan is a weird. It, it's a it's a weird weird world where think a lot of things are like people don't know. Like I don't know who owns what or if this is uh you know if this is uh, owned by a channel or how many or how much um this is owned by the company itself. It's a weird you know. We may never see those 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 2015 things ever again. I would love if you know if Ryzen does some well, sort of. Well, contrary, if the big kibosh podcast don't already have them up on, you know, again we may it again. I mean, hell, see the fucking breakfast with Fedor or again. Yeah, so I don't know what Ryzen, you know, if the fight TV thing is is. I would guess the Fight TV thing is that I, I like. Why would Fight TV want to say, "Okay, we'll we'll make a deal of you to air your shows. We have no problem with you uploading them for free on your channel." I, I just can't see them do that. Like, there's no business incentive for Ryzen to do that at all. And this whole thing with them announcing the show four days beforehand and all this stuff—it almost seems, yeah. I don't think. I feel like we're not going to see Ryzen in fights in the future. That's my belief. I really don't. I think this is the last. I think this is the the last of the fight TV era. I mean, they got a month to find another avenue. But that's just my thoughts. That's that's just my thoughts. Why would Ryzen want to say? It, it, it's basically you're basically giving away these your matches, which is what people want to see for free. And you think that you think that fight TV would be happy about that? I would not be. I don't think they would think that if if given rise and actually doing it beforehand, I think they should have started doing free fights to their twenty fifteen and sixteen fight catalog. You know the stuff in the latter year twenty sixteen, simply shown through EverSport with the that show that was commentated in Chinese in April of twenty sixteen. Yeah, I get what you mean when it comes down to that. Behind Flips Media, if I were behind Fight TV, I'd be pissed because, you know, what's the point of fucking paying $30, up to $30, or up to $20 to 
just to see the show and you know damn well you can see it for free and save your money even though it's going to be without commentary or it's going to already be uploaded from that fight broadcast to youtube yeah exactly exactly um moving on though i would like to say who did not have a i mean come to think of it one more thing it would basically be like AEW putting their event out on BR Live and then having the shit get posted the next day, which I think has already happened a few times. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what was not good, though, was Kenji Kato's, Kato's debut for Rising. Um, Christian, I need to go pee, so I'm going to let you do... I'm going to put this on your shoulders, the next Phantomweight uh, match on this card. Now wait a minute. How far along have y'all been into the card? We did every fight up until the until the Kintar match. Uh, you came in during the Naoki Inoue match. Do you do you have any thoughts on any on, on the previous matches that we that uh, that that you weren't around for? Well, I mean the kickboxing bouts were crazy. Obviously, the two we've seen were crazy, especially the Megaton fights. I didn't see. You know, the three unaired fights, I heard they did well, but, you know, the rest of the card up until this point was pretty damn chaotic, to say the least. I think that Kyle Aguilar got fucked over by the judges for that Bugar fight. But, hey, what the fuck can I say? <laughs> Anyways, what... Andrew was referring to was the Yuto Kentaro Hokamura submission victory over Kenji Kato that occurred four minutes and 21 seconds into round number one. Hokamura, I mean Hokamura, aka Kentaro, defeated Kenji Kato via submission. Hokamura now runs his record to 13, well actually, Hokamura now runs his professional MMA record to 17-9-2 overall. His second submission, opposite 13 knockout, so his 15th finish in total. But in all honesty, what Andrew was talking about was the lack of a performance by Kenji Kato, who got dominated throughout the entire fight in this his rising debut. And to be quite honest, we said earlier on in this program that Kato would be potential cabin father for somebody like Trent Gurdon. But in all honesty, I think after this particular fight, you know, even though he came in with a two-fight winning streak, for him to... You know, go right back to the drawing board. Sorry, Christian, could you read the question again? I just got back. I see. Basically, what I was trying to ask is, even though Kenji Kato, I mean, Kenji Kato was showing a piss-poor performance in that fight against Utah. But wouldn't it be best for him to just drop right back onto the drawing board? Oh, I think so. As I said in our preview, Katal, I watched a few of his fights, and I, I mean, uh, Kato, uh, I watched a few of his fights, and his ground game was terrible. Like, he he was, he was, he had no idea, it looked like he had no idea what to do when he was on the ground, and 
What do you th what do you think happened? Oh, he gets choked out by Kentaro. So obviously, yes, Kentaro. You know, I I like to say that he looks like he's he's good enough to be on the regional scene. I don't think that he's Ryzen worthy. I I mean, Ryzen just might need bodies for bantamweight, but I'm sure they can find better fighters than Kenji Kato. Uh, um, yeah, he needs to get a few more wins considering he's now ten and seven. And did not look good at all in that. In that, like we said before, if you want to, if you want to put him against Trent Gurdum and give Gurdum an easy win, oh, by all means, do that. Go ahead and do that. Kintaro looks like a look, looked like a a world beater in, in his debut. So I mean, it was a it was a clear clear case of one guy was a clearly better fired than the other guy. There's no nothing else to say about that. How about you, Christian? I mean, I can't disagree with you. <laughs> looked like a fucking monster. I actually thought he was going to knock him out. But yeah. the fact that he only got his second submission of his career opposite the 13 knockouts that he's had, I mean, that he amassed in his career, and obviously that runs his record to 17-9-2, according to Sherdog. But the fact that he's not that good of a submission artist as far as his submission to knockout ratio is just crazy because a well-rounded fighter like him, especially one that finishes a vast majority of his opponents, should know how, I mean, should know pretty much how to finish fights, not with his hands or his feet, but with chokes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm hoping they bring Kintaro back. Um... I know we, 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 we made a, a we didn't, well let's go let's talk a little bit about him. Who would you bring him back and face, uh, Christian? I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I think it would be. I mean, if Yuki Montoya ain't fighting either Gertham or anyway now now anyway, I think that it would be best for him to match him up against. Utah, mostly because of the fact that you got a grizzled veteran in Hokumula. I mean, you got a grizzled veteran in Montoya looking for one last shot, one opportunity, as his entrance theme implies. <laughs> Eminem curse, after all. Mm -hmm. You're looking, I mean, you're basically looking at Montoya thinking that he would get one last opportunity to prove himself. But. I think he would be tested well against Kentaro. And if Kentaro beats him up, fucks him up to the point where he can't continue, you know, you could say he got a legend on his butt. I mean got a legend on his legend. Um I'm going I'm trying to go through my head right now. Well what about we'll talk a little bit about him later. What about if Victor Henry versus Kentaro? post-fight speech, and I did hear it clearly, mm -hmm. you know, on that YouTube video of the fight, that he wants a title shot. I mean, whose leg do I have to fuck to get a title shot, is what he paraphrased and saying. But, still, I think that Victor Henry's just one more fight away from a potential title opportunity, and Absolutely. it would be 
it would just be crazy not to book him against somebody as dangerous as Kentaro. But you have to remember, this dude's a Josh Barnett protege, Victor Henry. And I think that if he were to fight Okamula, he would try and find a weakness. Well, uh, yeah, oh yes, yes. Uh, the, the other fights, because I'm just, just uh, I'm such a big fan of his. Well, I I want to see Petri. As I said before, I want to see Patchy mix as much as I can as possible. And him versus Kentaro, I think, would be a very compelling matchup. I do think though that probably Mix would win that though. I think he would easily submit, um, Kentaro. Uh, yeah, but then again, are you sure you want to see Patrick Mix back in Ryzen? I mean, he's pretty preoccupied. Oh, I absolutely do. I I'll be honest. I don't think Bellator is going to pull the is going to. I don't think they're going to pull the rocket. Put the rack, rocket strap on him. That's a guy who you could have as a star on uh, for for your bantamweight division. I don't think that Bellator recognizes that for whatever reason. Uh, he was on the Ryzen show, uh, the, uh, uh, the, and to, the, the Ryzen, Ryzen show, not the Bellator, um, show, a Bellator, uh, portion of the Japanese card. He, uh, he was on the full-fledged Ryzen show, and I can't believe that was by accident. Uh, that, I, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping I'm wrong, I hope Bellator recognizes it, I, I just, you know, I'm always, I, Bellator, they tend to have... They tend to focus on the older guys, usually. Um, you know, I think some of their best guys are, you know, like AJ McKee, uh, Mix, as, as, I, as I said, um, MVP. But I want to see these guys get elevated. I want to see these guys fight bigger names, uh, get, you know, bi uh, get bigger fights. You know, uh, I just, you know, but I don't know if, you know, other than with MVP, but and even, like, they still don't give him the biggest of fights. I just want to see... Uh, I just want to see these guys just don't, I don't want to see them easily, I want to see them in, in top level competition. I really do. Um, but this was a good fight, it was a good fight, but we got to see clearly that we hope, I hope that Kintaro has a long future in Ryzen. I hope you agree, Christian. I mean, I hope so too, as long as they keep booking him. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we had an intermission, a nice... 15 minute intermission, and you know what they did that I really enjoyed? They showed fights from the from this show. They repeated them with Japanese commentary. I thought I liked that because it gave me a chance to rewatch Trent Gurdam and Naoki Inoue. They didn't show the whole fight, but they showed a part of it, and I was like, okay, I got to see a little bit of it and see a little from it from a different perspective. Um. It was cool also getting Japanese commentary. I think it was directly from the gal feed, I believe. Um, it probably was. Because, of course, they're going to probably use that, you know, to air on Skype. I mean, they're going to probably use that to air on Fuji TV as well. I don't know. Usually Fuji TV gets their own commentaries because then they, they get also, like, they also get, they change up the entire, like, interface of the show. It looks entirely different when it's on Fuji TV. I don't know for the tape shows. But for the live shows, they always... Fuji TV looks entirely different than Gal. Oh, right. They, they, they put pictures of the fighters. Um, they put pictures of the fighters' faces next to their names. They have, you know, the picture-in-picture -picture commentary of, uh, of you know, uh, 
uh, Megumi Fuji looking worry worryingly when when uh, one of her fighters is a uh, fighting or like the celebrity that they have there or you know Miyu yelling. Um, uh, yeah, so it's always yeah it's it's, it's the Fuji TV. I wish they could transfer that to the English one because I I like I I like just the way it looks much better. Um, speaking of things that look good. We gotta talk about how awesome older brother DeSouza looked in this next match. You wanna take it uh, from here, Christian? Yes, I do. Marcos Machinos, Yoshio DeSouza, knocked out your overall favorite, Andrew, for huh. worst fighter of 2020, Falco Neto. Oh. 27 seconds. 97 seconds first via punching. Marcos Yoshio de Sousa like tonight and two. Falco de Loneto. Well, I would say the dudes are loving him. Overall, he needs to go ahead and just fucking hang it up. Actually, did you know this, Christian? Sorry to interrupt. Did you know that he was suspended by Bellator for failing a drug test? Falco Neto? After the Fabian Edwards fight. I think it was after yeah. the, the Fa- Fabian Edwards fight he was suspended. I didn't know that. I learned that after I mean, the fact. Because, of course. I mean, yeah, because Bellator gets over by the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletics when they fight overseas. So, of course, you know, that suspended and him moving. I think it should just be paused for his old ass to hang that, to hang the gloves up. But still, when it comes down to Marcos Yoshio de Sosa, he has plans of wanting to stick with jiu-jitsu, but do you think that he should do that? I mean, do you think that he should hold off on Like, potentially, there's one for him to competing in the middleweight division or up and down the 170 of course with the 174 pound catch weight hmm. well uh, uh, Christian by the way you're 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 breaking in and out just want to uh, uh, let you know that um, but uh, regarding that um, yeah uh, basically, if you want, I can't repeat the question I think I, I, I got the gist of it uh, about the Souza also the Souza he kind of implied retirement after the match. Um, so I don't know if it was like real, real retirement that he was suggesting. He said he'd rather be a fight-up manager, it sounded like. I think he looked great in this match. For a guy who's obviously could have just coasted on jiu-jitsu, he, he, ba- he basically almost, he almost won the same way that he lost in the Keitaro fight, his first fight. Uh, where he just basically beat the shit out of his opponents. Um, yeah, and I would like to see him stick around. Again, you know, the welterweight division is going to be very hard just because all the good welterweights in Japan are they're either in one or in UFC, and then you had some in Bellator. So... The division itself is. You only have one in Bellator, and that's Keaton 
Nonetheless, you still you you still have one that was you know you lost one. I mean, it's gonna be kind of hard to find like welterweights at a level that maybe Ryzen would like. Uh it's 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 gonna be tough if he wants to. Maybe he should just do the jujitsu thing instead. Maybe do the grappling thing, perhaps. I mean, come to think of it, I mean, from what I've seen this morning, of course, we're recording this on March 1st, I think that, you know, the perfect opponents for him, I mean, the perfect opponent for him in that case would be deep champion Ryu Ichiro no Sumimura, who just recently lost to Oof. John Trump. I think so. The I think Sumimura is way above the Souza's level. I I think that John Tuck also is above the Souza's level. I, I the problem is is that he won, he beat Falconetto simply because Falconetto is a terrible fighter. I hate to like put it that way. He looked great in in, in, in winning, but Falconetto is a terrible fighter. He's not rising worthy, by the way. Just before, uh, just in case, if you're applying ass, that I, I don't want to see him rising again. Um, even if he's Manel Capes. I mean, to be quite honest, you probably don't want to see him competing overall again. Yeah, I, and I don't care that he's Manel Capes' uh, training partner. Uh, he's just, he's not a good fighter. So, I mean, I guess you have to get most of your fighters from Bellator. But I even think I don't think that the Sills. I just at the level that the Souza is at for a welterweight and the competition he would be up against, I just don't think he would be able to go. A, it would be a level playing field, quite honestly. I could be wrong. Maybe you know if he were to fight, you know, Sumimura, he would then just do his jujitsu thing, or John Tuck. But the problem is, is his MMA. You know, not just just that it's not just it's just not just submissions. It's mixed. So, you know, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. The welterweight division rising is going to be tough to fill, is what I got to say. Understood. And it's also troubling for the middleweight division as well because, of course, rising doesn't really specialize in the upper weight classes. Exactly, exactly. Um, but if you want to talk about upper weight classes... We gotta talk about the next one because the next one is an upper, 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 upper weight class. Between two big boys. Yeah. The fucking megaton weight class has obviously deep megaton champion Rocky Martinez, who we should really call now. I think we should really call him the Guaymanian monster. I mean, we should call him the Guaymanian monster, really, because he just beat the shit out of Shrek Sakine. He just basically, I mean, yeah, Sakine came in, pro wrestler ass, he came in with the Kimiku Man theme song, which of course we here in the streets know as, unfortunately, Ultimate Muscle. But yeah, Martinez just simply body rocked Sakine. And he knocked him out, four minutes, four seconds, error code, first round, kicks, I mean, soccer kicks and punches for all. Martinez improves to 15 and 5, Sakine 7 and 4. But to be quite honest, I got two questions about this. 
Is Sakine done with MMA? Is he straightened to pro wrestling? And as far as Martinez is concerned, with the new Brawl International promotion coming up in Guam, and I know you probably haven't seen much about it, myself and Combat Republic have, and you probably didn't see the rule set for it either, but with this new promotion in Guam coming up, do you think that Martinez will probably have a better chance at fighting over there than fighting in deep or potentially returning to Ryzen? Uh, well, you know, that's, you know, that's the age-old question, you know, once you become a promoter, can you, I mean, um, Kaylin Young, does she still, I think she, she briefly came back to MMA, even though she still is doing, uh, the book, the matchmaking for Invicta, am I correct? I think she's still doing uh, that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's still fighting, Uh, Minoru Min- Suzuki, while, while, and Pancreas was still fighting in Pancreas, um, I'm trying to think of other people, you know, but if he's gonna be running this promotion, I presume I don't know if he's gonna fight for the promotion. I I just I just assumed that he was just gonna be overseeing the operations of it. That's why. That's. I mean, he'll probably be like John Nutt in the Full Metal Dojo. Shout outs to him and Ray Sefo in WSOF, and just fight once for the promotion just to prove that they still got it. But in the case of Martinez. He hasn't lost a step. Yeah, that's, yeah. Sakine, um, you know, I haven't seen his pro wrestling. Um, I've heard it's not really that good, to tell you the truth. Um, like I mean, what, you're not a fan of jiu-jitsu style pro wrestling? I am, I am, when it's good. Uh, it's just, he's not good at it, really, um, from, from what I've heard. I mean, here's the thing. Sakine Shrek, whatever you want to call him, has a personality. He definitely's got some like. He has some just just natural charisma to him. He's got a weird look. He looks he's very ugly. First of all, um, he's got like a huge upper body. His legs are really short. Uh, his face is all weird. I don't know how to describe it. It just looks weird. It just looks. It looks. It looks weird. Um, it's like he's like a Frankenstein monster. Looks like. Um, who's that guy that has the? I mean, who's that one actor that has the ugly mug that looks kind of similar to Sakine? Rondo Hatton. Are you talking about? I mean, I think. I don't know if it's John Favreau or... Oh, not John Favreau. No, no. Okay, so Rondo Hatton was this actor from the 50s and the 80s. Oh, no, no. From the 50s and the 60s. I think the 40s as well. He always played heavies. Um, his face was disfigured due to being uh, uh, a, a chemical attack when he was a, a soldier in, uh, in World War Two. So what happened was that his his face became like very deformed, his nose became enlarged, his facial features just like they they, they like extended. So he had a long chin, long nose. Um, so it's kind of like he's I he's not that ugly, but he's not he's he's not he's not pretty to look at. I'll say. Um, right, right. I mean, basically, what I was trying to go for was Steve Buscemi. <laughs> no. Now, Steve Buscemi is just weird, is, is like weird, kind of creepy looking. Sakini's kind of like 
frightening, scary looking, I would say. So, like, I would, even though, he, and here's the thing. Did you see when he got, he, uh, I think he tapped out. Because remember, he, he went out of the ring, kind of, or he got knocked out of the, out of the ropes. And I think the referee, Wada, motioned for him to come back in, but he said no or something. He said he was done. Because the soccer kiss happened, and then, you know, he went outside the ring, and, uh, yeah, Rocky punched a few times, and I think he just, uh, when the referee was going to bring him back in, he just told him, um, you know, I'm done. I mean, if he's not brought back that... What you're saying was it was more like a tap-out due to strikes rather than a TKO. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what it seemed to me, because, yeah, because the referee didn't, like, didn't have to stop Rocky from, uh, from punching him. Um... I mean, I guess, well, I, I guess, Sakini's, I guess, you know, for that freak show fight, if you want to bring Sakini in, you know, I don't know, Bob Sapp versus Sakini, okay. you know, you could do something like that. Just something like really, really freaky and out of the blue or out of this world, and like that will get like people to talk, talk about a fight and tune in. I guess you could do, I don't think as a regular MMA heavyweight, I would want him in. Rocky Martinez, though. Bring him back if his brawl uh, uh, tournament is uh, or his promotion is not uh, not uh, keeping him away from the uh, from the gym. I mean, well, I mean, to be honest, even though he doesn't really go, I mean, from his physique, he doesn't really need the gym. But hey, as long as he keeps beating the shit out of people like this, who the fuck needs a gym? Now, Rocky Martinez, it seems like. It seems like they're going, for, or like he wanted to fight Jake Hoon, get that win back. Um, he's basically gone through almost. Uh, sorry, Christian, what was that? Think that rematch will ever happen? I I would not be opposed to it. Um, he's gone through a, a lot of other heavyweights, uh, mostly in deep. I guess if you wanted to do him versus Shibisai, I would be okay with that, since Shibisai also uh, is on a two fight win streak in Ryzen. Um, problem is also, you know, heavyweights, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, Rocky Martinez is, is on, is, is at a higher level than a lot of Japanese heavyweights, um, are now. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard. Andrew, the Ryzen doesn't really have, again, that many upper weight talents aside from lightweights, you know, to begin with. Yeah, and it's cool to me that, you know, we talk about the men's heavyweight or men's openweight or megaton divisions, you know, for the men, when obviously the women, thanks to Gabby Garcia, are getting more of a pushover trying to get a heavyweight Grand Prix going. Yeah, you're going to probably have to borrow some from 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 Bellator, maybe Road FC as well. Uh, so... I mean, come to think of I think the better thing for that would be to revive Road FC's dormant openweight tournament that they were supposed to finish up a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, though. That's a pipe dream. That ain't going to happen, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah. Good finish by uh, Rocky Martinez, as always. If they can think about potentially doing a lightweight Grand Prix, 20, no, wait, actually, if they just got done doing a lightweight Grand Prix and could potentially be doing a featherweight Grand Prix and a women's openweight Grand Prix, then damn it, 
else's shit that they to finish. Yeah. Especially when it comes to dormant ass seed brain. Yeah, I know. I think that's a, that's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. Um, with that said, Christian, shall we move on to the co-main event of the evening? Ah, uh, yes. Co-main event of the evening. La Mangoa, Mr. Henry, got his when I mean, got his quintet knock it out. Kenshin Kanehara. Sorry, Christian, you're breaking up. Japanese Damn it. Andrew. So could you beat that again, Christian? Uh, I'm sorry, man. I multitask, you know. I mean, reading off the fight results on your phone and then get back. Oh, but the point of the matter is La Mangosta Victor Henry defeated the last man in Japan to defeat Kate Yamamoto Japanese soil. The love on Japanese soil by Sano Shan Kanehara being about 40 into round number three of their fight. Of course, Henry being bantamweight champion, he up to Kanehara officially retires, by the way. With a professional could have 27, 14, and 5. But I gotta ask, we talked earlier about potential for Victor Henry if a bantamweight title opportunity for Yuto Control Hokamura. What would happen if that fight didn't happen? Do you think that he would still potentially get a better opponent? And as far as Kanye Harvest's career goes, obviously, what are your thoughts about him now that his career is officially done? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I'll talk about Kanye Harvest first. You know, uh, one of the, one of the few Japanese guys in recent years to be successful in M in MMA uh, in the well, I should say in the UFC. Um, you know, like you said, been around for a long time. It's so funny that these that these Japanese fighters are like in their thirties and. They've been fighting since, like, they're 18. I mean, he's fought in Deep, ZST. Didn't he fight in Sengoku as well, I believe? Yeah, he's fought in Sengoku. Yeah, the first ever, yeah, he was the first ever Sengoku featherweight champion. You know, it's 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 amazing how long these these careers of these of these so many Japanese fighters. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the uh, the Muay Thai fighters who have been fighting since like 12, and they have like 200 fights. Combine, like on their kickboxing record, it's just it's really amazing just how long they've been around and their durability. Because I feel like a lot of fighters from uh, in the West retire earlier, while these Japanese fighters tend uh, to. Unless your name is Travis Fulton or Shannon Bridge. <laughs> exceptions. There's always exceptions, but a lot of these Japanese fighters fight for all, almost until they just cannot fight anymore, and even when they still can't, they still will fight. Um, be that as it may, whether you consider that good or bad, I don't know, but, uh, he, you know, he has a career to be happy with. 27-14 is not a bad record to have. You know, he didn't go under 14, of under 500. Uh, he's got a lot of noble wins. Former champion as well. He had a good, a good run in UFC. 
he could definitely be going through the grappling things. As we saw, he was in quintet. That's where he first defeated Victor Henry um, in their match, in their uh, match-off. Um, he could become a coach at Reversal Gym, uh, his, uh, where he um, trains at. There's a lot of opportunities, I think, for him. So, I don't, th- I don't you know, it sucks that he wanted to retire, you know? So, who knows? Then again, you know, who may- maybe this retirement is bullshit. We thought Carriage Kawajiri retired like about three or four times, but he, as far as I know, he's still officially fighting. I thought Gomi uh, retired, but fair people still challenging him, and he's still challenging people, so who the fuck knows? If he's retired, then yeah, uh, become a coach, uh, uh, manager, whatever. If not, we'll, 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 we'll probably, we'll see him in a future Rising show, perhaps. Uh, Victor Henry, though, Victor Henry looked awesome. Yes. Well, I just want to say, you know, just because he might be retired now, but he might decide, you know what, hey, you know what, a month later, eh, I want to go back. So he could be retired. That's what happens when fighters is that they retire one month and then the month, next month they're back. Um, well, hey, at least hopefully he won't pull a Terry Funk and be like, I will Yeah. I guess you know if you know if you wanted to give him an easy matchup against uh, Kato, uh, uh, Kata, Kato as we said before, um, if you want to do a very interesting matchup, I don't know if they ever fought before. As far as I can recall, I don't think they did. Him versus Shintaro Ishiwatari would be a very, very cool matchup. Uh, I don't know about the Gurda match. Um, maybe Gurda if you wanted to, but I'm not. You know. He, he just got knocked out. This poor guy just got knocked out. Um, so, I'm very... I don't know. Gurdom, I think, could knock out Kanihara. Um, so, you know, I like to match losers with losers so that a winner can, can come out. That's what I've always believed. And match winners with winners. That's that's how I book um, my things. Victor Henry, though. Victor Henry looked... Actually, in the first round, he, you know, again, he lost... He, I think I would say he lost the first round if you're going to judge... Judge the fight. If the fight ended right there in that first round, Victor Henry lost. He got taken down and got his back taken by uh, Kanihara. Um, but yeah, you know he uh, he got he got two straight rights on on Kanihara like uh, uh, consecutively. He punched him once and then punched him again and he went down and then threw over the ground pound. Um, I saw a few people say that this was maybe an early stoppage. I don't think I agree with that. I think it was a good stoppage. What do you think, um, uh, Christian? Did you think it was an early stoppage or a good stoppage? It was a good stoppage. I didn't really care for it being early. It was a good stoppage. Yeah, me neither. The referee saved Kanehara from taking too much damage. Yeah, I don't know how many times Kanehara has been knocked out in his career. Um, I didn't think it was going to go that way, quite honestly. Um, I figured it was going to go by decision. But yeah, as uh, as you brought before, uh, Victor Henry did say, whose leg do I got a hump to uh, get a tile shot here? Um, you know, obviously, C- Cape and Okikubo has to happen first. And I guess the winner of that, you can then have them face uh, Victor Henry if you wanted to. Uh, I, think, I think he's mo- more or less earned it. He has... Finished both of his fights. He's undefeated. He's a deep bantamweight champion. Um, yeah, I think I think for him to take any other fight in Ryzen would be not very smart. 
in my personal eyes. Oh, and uh, by the way, Kanehara has been finished eight times in his career out of the 13 losses he's had. No, wait, actually, he's been finished, damn it, nine times in his career, five knockouts, four submissions. This was his fourth submission loss in his career. You mean knockout loss? Oh, yeah. What knockout? I mean, yeah, knockout loss actually. Is what I meant to say. Um, Victor Henry's got a lot of personality. Um, you could. De- I think. I think that's also what works for him is that he, he's a very, he's a, he he he's got he's got also a natural charisma to him that I think could benefit uh, Ryzen as well. I definitely see. You know, if Bellator doesn't pick him up or try to make a break for him, I could definitely see him going to UFC at some point. Uh, um, um, you gotta be careful. Fighters like fighters like that are you know are hard. Are, you know, especially with you know bantamweight. I don't know if Victor Henry could make flyweight, but if they if he could, you know, you got your your UFC flyweight champion right there. In my personal opinion, Victor Henry, if he can make flyweight, I have no idea. Um, uh, I don't know if he would be fit out for the UFC because of course, as um. Stated many times in the past, and I had to deal with this on Twitter with some fucking doofus zombie. You know, when you get into the UFC, you lose all your personality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah, listen. Josh Barnett has a successful a successful trend of, of students, and he's one of them. Might be their most successful, I think, at this point. So, I look forward I mean, to... Not just in, it's not just in MMA. It's obviously in pro wrestling too. True, true. Um, I think I, I, I hope we see Victor Henry again. I hope the next time I, uh, I see Victor Henry's name, it's not uh, he signed a UFC contract. I hope it's that uh, he will be next in line for Ryzen after Oe Kubo and uh, Manel Cape. I think of him Manel Cape would would have some very interesting uh, promo uh, battles. I think. <laughs> that they would. That they would. Now, without further ado, do you want to talk about the main event? Yes, yeah, so let's talk about the the, the main event. Uh, yes, it was a 150-pound catchweight bout between Nikolu Asakura and El Cazador, Daniel Salas. Of course, Salas came out with the Lucha Mask, the Antonio Banderas steam, and all types of carlismo. But he still got his head kicked in with a left high kick. Two minutes, 34 seconds, round number two. By, of course, one half of the most charismatic duo in Japanese MMA today. Mikuru improves to 13-1, and one, Salah 16-7. He'll probably, hopefully, if Kombachi Americas doesn't sign him, if anybody else doesn't reach out to him, hopefully we will see Daniel Salas in the rising ring again. But it was what happened after the match between Salas and Asakura that caught most people's attention. As former 1FC, actually the first ever 1FC lightweight, or featherweight in this case, because they love to hydrate their divisions, world champion, Tetsu No Face Boku, a member of Crazy B, the same camp that produced his Yusuke Yachi, who, of course, Mikuru defeated recently. 
in his multiple fight win streak, which of course moves, I think, down to shit, about seven or eight. But still, point of the matter is, Contessa no face Boku wants to face off against Mikuru Asakura when Mikuru Asakura said he wanted to fight better competition, potentially in a super fight against Manel Cape to avenge for Kai's loss. Now, I have to ask, is, I mean, obviously, this is a two-parter. Will we see Daniel Salas competing, rising again? And what are your thoughts about Boku versus Asakura? I think Mike, Mike uh, uh, Gilbert from uh, Combat Republic uh, said it best. I think that's Salas. Um, I think not only based on the fight that he fought with Hart, but also because... If you're gonna do a featherweight division, you kind of ha- don't have a lot of bodies, and he's kind of get- you're gonna to have to bring him back by proxy, I think. Oh, so by the way, get this: Do you know Daniel Salas speaks English? Um, yeah, I think we realized that during the interview that we had with him, he said a little bit in English. No, he speaks fluent English. Oh, oh, my bad. My so you, bad. you know how I found this out. So I watched the Ryzen uh, post-fight and pre-fight uh, interviews that they do on their on their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And so I get the Daniel Salas, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be Spanish. I'm going to have my, my friend from Spanish uh, who understands Spanish translate it. But I, I always watch it by myself first. And then I noticed the, you know, uh, the, you know the, 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 the journalist speaking Japanese, Japanese, Japanese. Then I hear Shingo, who's translating in English, saying... Uh, who, tra- who translates, speaking in English to Daniel Salas, and Daniel Salas speaks back in English. And I'm like, oh, well, that must be like, you know, one thing, you know, he's going to probably speak. No, he speaks fluent English. He did that for, the, for both the, the, the first, the, the pre-fight and the post-fight. And he speaks enough English where he can even curse in English and make it sound like it's not like I'm cursing because I don't know how to speak English. Right, right. So I guess we had a huge swing and a miss on that interview. Well, not even so. Well, I, I didn't realize, oh, well, because he told me, oh, uh, my English is not very good. Now, I don't know if he, if it was, if they, you know, if they told him for Ryzen, oh, hey, we can't hire a Spanish translator. Can you just speak in English? And he was like, yeah, sure. Maybe he, probably he prefers speaking Spanish, which I understand, but... Mm-hmm. It would have saved me the headache of having to get my friend and have him take out his time in a day and do that whole three-way, four-way thing that we had. So going forward, if we ever talk to Daniel Salas again, we're going to speak to him in English. I'm going to make sure of that. Yeah, I mean, at least we could try to. I mean, it would save me the trouble of having to use Google Translate. Exactly, exactly. Um, but um, Kotetsu Boku... So, apparently, Mikuru, after the fight, apparently he did not recognize Boku, and apparently he thought it was his uncle. He thought, it, that's what he says, that he thought it was his uncle. Um, As in, Ayachi's uncle, right? No, he thought it was his uncle. Like, Asakura thought it was his actual uncle. Like, his own uncle. I don't know if he's joking, but that's what he said. Um, so here's the thing with Boku, uh, former, uh, well, the first, as you said, first 
inaugural uh, 1FC lightweight champion. Uh, been around for a long time as well. I think he's isn't he Korean, but Japanese. Yeah. Bel- yeah. Um, Yoshihiro Akiyama. That's, Actually, he is Korean-Japanese. Uh, another 1FC guy as well. Um, Boku um, is out of the Crazy Bee camp. And they did that whole thing where Mikuru was shitting all over uh, Yusuke Yachi and the Crazy Bee camp last year. Uh, they had their fight. And um, so I guess from a story perspective, like, it makes sense. But... It's a fight where Mikuru has nothing to gain and, no, and like, everything to lose. It's, it's, it's a useless fight. I have no idea why you would book this fight other than we don't have anybody... If it comes down to, like, nobody wants to face Mikuru, then I guess, okay, you're going to have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. I'm not saying that Kotetsu Boku is a bad fighter, but... It's just a bad matchup, is what I'm saying. What do you think, Christian? I mean, come to think of it, you have to look at it this way. Boku is currently riding a losing streak. As yes. You know, he, I mean, as you know, he's lost his last two or three 1FC fights, and that's why they cut him. And he's been submitted all times in the first round. The finish, I should say, finish, not not submitted. He was submitted and won them, but he they they were all lost in the first round. Put it that way. Mhm. I see. But the point of the matter is, why would you want to? I mean, no disrespect to Boku. Obviously, he was one of the disciples of Kid Yamamoto. But why the hell would you, you know, have a guy in contest to Boku who? Lost his last two fights and nearing pretty much the verge of calling it a career with all the accomplishments that he's done. Why would you have him fight Mikuru when it's very clear, it's very fucking clear that Mikuru Asakura wants to fight somebody else? Well, especially Miku... somebody of a top of a higher tier of talent, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know what what do you do. What well, I mean, like, and especially because they want to build up a featherweight division. Um, well, actually, this won't even be a featherweight fight. It probably would be a lightweight. I'm I'm gonna assume, like 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 actual light light white light, not like even a uh, like a. I guess like catchweight. Ca- Maybe it'll be a catchweight. I have no idea, but it's not gonna be anywhere near featherweight. You know. It'll, it won't be. Uh, it'll be the above the featherweight limit. I'm gonna guess. I mean, Boku has fought a featherweight, but not, not since 2015. I, I where his. I'm trying to think. Where his last fights in in deep? I'm mean, not deep. One FC, uh, featherweight matches. I'm gonna look that up right now. Uh, Once they were probably featherweight, but in one FC's case. It was at 155. Oh, pounds. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did, they did that weird thing. God damn it. Yeah. It's, it's... You know, they only do that for the lower weight classes, dude. I mean, they only do that for the lower weight classes. It's not a matchup I'm looking forward to. It's it's, it's a waste. It's a waste. 
It's it's gonna it's gonna it's it's gonna advance nobody, and it's and it's gonna just hurt Boku. Cause that's what's gonna happen. It's yeah. It's just gonna. It's a. I, I you know. It, 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 I'm starting to think. I don't know. Is 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 Azakura really? Did he really mean that when he said he wanted better competition? I don't know. I, he may be walking back on that because if he's gonna focus on his YouTube career, then these are the type of fights that you make that that you accept. You don't accept like h- higher level fighters. Um, don't forget. Um. Oh, oh my God! I'm trying to forget the um, um, Juan Archuleta. Apparently, was supposed to fight Mikuru Azakura, but apparently Azakura turned that fight down. That's according to Archuleta for the Bellator Ryzen um thing. So if, if you if you want to step up in competition for Azakura, Juan Archuleta is there. Th- that's a guy. The dude's a former four weight king in the cage world champion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's so, uh, or one of the other Bellator guys, like uh, Derek Campos or Daniel Weichel. Um, I thought his last name was pronounced with a V, as in Weichel. No, I've always pronounced it as Weichel. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if the Manel Cape, the Manel Cape fight also, it's a fun fight to make, and it'd be great to see the shit talking between the two, but it's a fight where Manel Cape has everything to win, but nothing to lose. Other than just he gets a, he gets one loss, and it's at a, it's not at his at his uh ideal weight. Neither does Mikuru. Well, Mikuru, you know, he loses that fight. I mean, he loses to a guy who's smaller than him, uh, one thirty five champion. Um, and it's just like what what's an advance from that? It's kind, that's just kind of like more of a super fight. But at least that is like that is between two roster members, one the champion. One is not a champion, but you know he might as well be your unofficial champion for one forty-five at this point. I mean, come to think of it, he's pretty much the people's champion according to the masses. He and his brother, you know, with their millions of views for their fights. Yeah, I and guess. I mean, come to think of it, when it came down to this particular fight on YouTube, how many views has it gotten so far? Over a million. Over a million. It might have even crossed into two million. Let me double check on that. But when I went with the fight, literally a day after that it was uploaded, had about one million views, which is astounding. I don't even know. Like I don't even know what UFC um, fights or when they upload those shows to their channel. Uh, what what they get right now? It's, it's almost at two million. 1.9 million to be exact. So it 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 will get two million. It will get two million. Um, at some point. You know what I don't get when it comes down to rising, building up stars, especially when it comes down to the Asakura brothers. Why in the fuck are they giving them fights like this? Well, Kai, they're not. Uh, they're Kai, they're not. They're actually having Kai fights. Uh, well, competent fighters, I guess you could say. Mikuru is, well, I don't know. I, I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think that Mikuru was bullshitting about that whole. I want to face face better competition. I think he, he really wants to focus on his YouTube channel. I really do believe that. And you know, with the with the with the views that this fight's getting, listen, he's you know, what would you rather do? Take the easy fights and and make your money on YouTube, or take to face people like Juan Archuleta and and Derek Campos, Daniel Vichel. Uh, or 
or you know uh, Patricia, uh, the one of the Pitbull brothers. What do you do in that case? You would be like, eh, I'll think I'll stick with the YouTube money, save my brain cells, or a broken bone. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say it. I don't think I think that 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 as Mikuru is voluntarily not taking tougher fights. And I think if we're gonna go by what if if Juan Archuleta is telling the truth, that's that's one of the biggest pieces of of evidence that we have there. Uh, is, look, yeah, but again, let's just let's just say this for an example. Remember when King Reyna wasn't taking fights seriously? Well, yeah, well, she just wasn't taking fights seriously, um, and you know we saw what that happened. Mikuru is taking the fight seriously, but he's not facing serious competition. Basically, so yeah, I can understand that, but still, when King Reyna obviously fought those two previous times in Ryzen, losing to somebody who got cut from the UFC after one dismal performance in Cindy Dandwa, Battle Cat, and obviously the striking bike in Caitlin Young. I mean, obviously, and Stephanie Edgar. Stephanie Edgar as well, who didn't have any oh, MMA I, fights. After, I, well, I think that was her first MMA fight. Yeah, it probably was. And that's why she's been, you know, trotting the globe, trying to find more competition. But still, if you don't take these upcoming fights seriously, like I know Miku's going to want to get booked against higher competition. I don't really see why he's facing off against Kotesu Boku, but if he doesn't take these fights seriously, he might end up like King Reyna, having to scramble for fits. I just want to quickly uh, correct myself. Uh, that was Stephanie Eggers' fourth fight. Um, she was 3-0 when that, when, when that uh, King Reyna fight happened. But nonetheless, the point stands is that she was facing presumably lesser competition. But she wasn't... I think in the end... Um, that, that, that she does, that, that Mikuru takes these fights seriously, but it's just taking not serious fights. So he'll still train for the fights as if they're important, but it's against people that he's, whose level is above, or who's below, I should say. With that being said, though, Christian, I want to get your overall thoughts on Rise of 21, as well as your fight of the night, and two performances of the night, two finishes of the night, I'll say. Watching it on the English language feeds and fight, it was. I mean, they really need to get their shit together. It comes down to streaming the fights. Get your fucking commentary and audio issues done ahead of time. Get the <clears throat> get the listings for these fights done ahead of time. Have your shit before, you know, the fight week, so that we won't have to scramble trying to figure out how it's going to get shown or where it's going to get shown. But other than that, the fight card came off without a hitch. I think it was the earliest ending rising card that I've ever witnessed. Yeah, like 4 a.m. for me. Yeah, it ended in like... I mean, if anything, it ended in about five hours. Great. Which was, which was midnight Eastern to 4 a.m. Eastern. So, no, and actually, it was, I mean, because the car started at, like, midnight Eastern, right? Yeah. 
And the fight card ended at like 5 a.m. Eastern, right? Yep. Yeah, so basically it was five and a half hours of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope you guys can do these more often, but still, when it comes down to the entire card as a whole, I mean, aside from that jujitsu exhibition, the rest of the card proved its metal. The rest of the card, you know, proved its worth. And it was actually a pretty fun card to witness staying up. Absolutely, I agree. Um, it it was compact. Uh, no bullshit. Um, a lot a, a lot of great fights, a lot of fun fights, a lot of uh, some 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 great finishes. Yeah, what was your fight of the night? And uh, what was your uh, just uh, pick two finishes of the night? Well, goes without certain that my fight of the night on this card especially on this card, was not the stupid-ass jiu-jitsu fight. <laughs> but, yeah, but my... I mean, because I'm going to probably pick two. Okay. So the night, one in kickboxing, the other in MMA. My kickboxing fight of the night was the knockout, the megaton knockout of Kosuke Jusakata knocking out Ryo Sakai because you can tell... When that might happen, Ryo Sakai just wasn't ready. <laughs> no, he was not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my kickboxing fight of the night. My MMA fight of the night. And, of course, it doesn't have to be a submit. It doesn't have to be a decision finish or what have you. But my performance of the night in MMA, it would have to go to Yuto Kintaro Okamura choking out Kenji Kato, obviously, in a stellar rising debut. And, of course, I would have to give a little love to the fact that this was the only non-MMA, I mean, the only non-jujitsu submission of the night as well, because you have to think about it. You know, every other fight on the card, with the exception of the jujitsu exhibition, ended via knockout or decision. Especially the last five, especially the last four fights on the card, which is why it ended so quickly. Yeah. And, and I would also have to give my knockout of the night, obviously. No disrespect to Victor Henry, but when you kick somebody, when you give glorious violence to somebody via soccer kick, you get my vote for fight of the night. I mean, you get my vote for finish of the night, for knockout of the night, and that goes to Rocky Martinez, because with him heading up that Brawl International promotion, which will encourage soccer kicks, and of course, I'm just waiting to see the details of if it's going to get shown or not, but soccer kicks for the win, goddammit. <laughs> mm -hmm. My fight night, Naoki Inouye versus Trent Gurdum. Two warriors uh, at, at their best. And even though Gurdon lost uh, some eyes, uh, well, officially he lost, but he won in some eyes. I think that Gurdon is a fire to look at. We're going to see a lot of him in the future, whether it be in Ryzen, UFC, maybe Bellator. Who knows? Brawl, for all we know. Um, yeah, like as was suggested before, bring him into Brawl and fight Naoki in a way. Uh, fight to a finish. So, hey, you know what? We'll see that. We got a new star in Naoki in a way for their Bantamweight division. 
He looked great. Uh, he actually looked great in the stand-up as well. He's not really a stand-up guy. I, all of his finishes, I believe, have been by submission. So we have to see that he definitely improved in the stand-up. And, you know, it was it was a nail-biter, you know, to see who would win in the end uh, In my uh, when I watched it. Um, plus the close finishes with the rear naked choke uh, by, uh, that Gurdam almost got submitted by twice. It was it was an exciting fight. A really really. It's not a barn burner, but it was a great technical matchup. It's it, it's like it's like watching a match between Omega and Okada, or I'd actually say Tanahashi and Okada, where it's just everything. It it ebbed and flowed so well. Uh, the match. Um, uh-huh. now two finishes of the night. Um, I would have to give to you know I love me some soccer kicks. I gotta say, but I do have to give. Uh, Kintaro with the sole non-BJJ grappling rear naked choke on Kenji Kato. But I have to say, Marcos Yoshio de Souza looked... I, it, it, the way that he lost in his riding debut to what he did in this, second, in this match, I, it, was like, it was like a night and day. And I know that the, the competition was not that good, but the way he finished him was still so brutal and beautiful. I loved it. Uh, was his knockout win over uh, Falco Neto. It, this, he could have easily probably submitted him if he wanted to. But you know what? He's uh, You could just tell, oh, I want to knock out this guy. I'm not going to try to heel hook him or knee bar him or arm bar him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch his lights out. And he did that. And God give him a lot of credit for that. I... I I, I applaud uh, the Souza for doing that. Um, overall, it was a great card, just marred by you know production issues, as you said, bullshit, you know, promotion or non-promotion, I should say. And it's it's a lesson that Ryzen has to learn, especially if they want to go forward with uh, with this uh, North American expansion. Like they said, you got to make your fights easily accessible for us. And don't do them four days before the actual fucking fights. Yeah, not to mention, when it comes down to the upcoming slate of events, the possibility of wanting to do an event at the Tokyo Dome, and especially what they might have planned after the Olympics, you know, with this North American expansion, still, you need to get your shit in order. In order for all that to happen, and especially, I mean, you don't want to blame Fight TV in this as well, but I think they feel a little bit of the blame too because, you know, they should have been, they should have been at the ready when it came down to this, as well. You can't really blame Flix Media, you can't really blame Fight TV, but you have to understand you gotta give the blame where it's due. Just like you have to give credit where it's due, and you know, I think if we would have noticed, I mean, if we would have heard about this ahead of time instead of four days before the show, everything would have been all right. A lot of people would have been able to well, you know, buy the stuff. Exactly, but remember, Fight TV initially said, "Oh, we we they went on on social media and said, oh, we're not showing the show." Ryzen never said anything publicly. They they made they made no statement, which I said was worse. Uh, then, then I said that on the previous shows that that's worse than making no uh, a statement saying we're not in a fight anymore. I think it was a really stupid thing on, on Rise's part to not say anything. Um, transparency is needed from all from all promotions, especially in in, in something like this. Um, 
Uh, regarding, what do you think about Matt Stryker? I know you're not a Stryker fan, uh, Christian, but what do you think about what how he overall did? Would you bring him back, or would you pair him up with somebody else? Or would you just say, yeah, no, hit the road? Well, I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm not a Stryker fan. I actually respect his work. I mean, I know he is a pretty pious person, but still... When it comes down to his, you know, when it comes down to his knowledge of the sport, I mean, granted, there were some flaws. He did, you know, kind of fuck up on a few things. He didn't even acknowledge Lenny Hart, for one. He basically called Miyu Yamamoto and Orson Yamamoto Kyle Aguiwan's family during the Aguiwan Lugar Kiramar fight, even though clearly he didn't even acknowledge those two, and I had to, you know, smarten up the masses to make everybody, including him, realize that. And yeah, even though Matt Stryker has some flaws in his game, he did all right, but I think if Rise if Fight wants to continue putting him on these rising cards, and I know they just put him on a boxing event that was commentated by him in English, even though it was in Spain as of yesterday, leap day, February 29th. You know, if they want, if Ryzen and Fife want to continue to have Matt Stryker on these comments, I mean, on these broadcasts, they need to pair him up with somebody who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. No, I agree. I agree. Um, if you want to have some, you know, get somebody who has uh, MMA experience. You know, whether that be Anthony Burchek or whoever, just somebody who knows, because I thought he did the worst during the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu match. He was calling things like, he was calling a guillotine attempt, uh, uh, a, he was calling it the pro wrestling, like, what was it, a, uh, a, um, what is it? A uh, guillotine choke? Yeah, no, no, he, but he was calling it the pro wrestling name. Um, I don't know what it was. Oh. Um. Well, sorry, repeat that again, Christian? The Go-Go Plata. No, 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 the guillotine, the guillotine. Um, was it Go-Go Plata or am I thinking guillotine? I know, there was a guillotine somewhere, maybe, I don't think in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu match, but sometime during in this, uh, during the uh, show where he called it, they called it a, um, a chance, front chancery or something? Yeah, a, fr- a front chancery. It's the same move that Austin Aries used to do. Yeah, listen, we don't need the pro wrestling. No. Just know know what it actually all that shit is. So that's why you gotta get you know somebody else. Um, even with my basic understanding of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I could have been like, oh yeah, that's a that's a guillotine. That's a guillotine, not a, a front transfer. Really. Other, you know, I, here's the thing. I would give him a, a B because he did well on his. I think he did great during the kickboxing matches and during a lot of the MMA matches overall, where he was like pointing little things out, like oh this guy's blocking this one. This fire might be trying to bait this guy into this thing. Um, he didn't do a lot of strikerisms, as I thought. Um, you know, going over the top and all that stuff. So I'm at least happy about that. Just pair him up with somebody else, and I think you can kind of get, you can kind of um, fine tune those things. If if, if Trig and Ferraro are not around anymore, you know, I guess ideally if you want, you get those two back. But if, if there's still a fight and you can't. Striker and another person, and we'll call it a deal. I see, I see. And one more thing, he also 
fucked up on one of the themes. I think one of the fighters came out to the Godzilla theme. He apparently called it. I mean, he apparently called this particular fighter. No, he actually, he apparently called this particular theme that the fighter was coming out to. I think it was Ken Kato who came out to a remix of the Godzilla theme. But Matt Stryker said it was actually Pearl Monk. Yeah. You know, the guy simon says sit the fuck down or something like that uh well yeah whatever i'm not gonna listen as somebody who's not who's who's not 100 uh, knowledgeable about music and all that stuff i'm not i'm gonna give him a pass on that uh but yeah just you know he did he did good for what he was given for the short amount of time he he did consult the we are rising podcast as he did mention us many times on there so we we appreciate that and we glad we were able to help in some way uh just that, you know. And, and let's go ahead and get these plugs out the way. Yeah, so, let's. I mean, yeah. So if you want to follow Matt Stryker on Twitter, he's a pretty complicated person as is. But hey, if you want some great wrestling and MMA knowledge, or just your daily dose of wisdom, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Stryker underscore. Combat Republic, he already mentioned his Twitter handle. You can go ahead and mention that again if you want, Andrew. Uh, sorry, Christian, hold on. I, I have to just take care of something. You want to take, take over for me just briefly? I mean, yeah. I was basically trying to pass it off to you and ask, you know, how to get in contact. Yeah, sorry, Christian. I just got to take care of something for like one minute. I'll be right back. Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> But still, point of the matter is, if you want to follow the Combat Republic on Twitter, he is on Twitter at Combat Republic. C-O-M-B-A-T-R-E-P-U-B-L-I-C. All in one word. And you can also follow altcombatrepublic.news.log. That's his fight log. But other than that, the regular handles apply. You can follow us on Twitter our respective handles at Chris Gary 92 for me at a Benja one for him at we are rising pod W E A R E R I Z I N P O D all in one word. You can also check us out on Stitcher SoundCloud and YouTube and hopefully soon. And I keep stressing this enough, but hopefully soon we'll be on all podcast providers. Focus fights, we cover prospects from all over the fighting globe, the scenes of six of the seven continents on this planet when it comes down to professional face punching and choking and combat sports of all kinds will be emphasized. You can follow us on all forms of social media, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The latter three at Focus Fights. You can search for us through YouTube or through Google, searching the name Focus Fights. We'll be right there as the first result. Because we're too damn lazy for a URL. And also, follow the best damn fight blog on Facebook. Facebook.com slash E. Facebook.com slash T H E M M A O P I N I O N. The MMA Opinion on Facebook. Trust me. You'll be glad you did. Also, when it comes down to Fight TV, you can follow them on all forms of social media. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Fight TV. That's F I T E dot TV. Or you can download the app for free iOS, Android. It don't really cost you nothing to download it, but you have to realize that the events that carry on on that particular platform do cost money. So, you know, be prepared to share your. Be prepared to share your wealth if you're going to download the Fight TV app. Just a little bit of warning. That way, you can get a lot of people to watch the shows. And you won't have to fall for illegal streaming. <laughs> and also, one more thing. If you want to follow the Rise and Fighting Federation and what they have coming up, you can follow them on Twitter at Rising underscore PR or at Rising underscore English. Facebook page and Instagram page is at Rise and Fight Federation. You can search them on you. You can search for them on YouTube, or you can just go to their website, RisingFF.com. If I'm not mistaken, right, Andrew? Yep, yep. I'm I'm back. Uh, yes, that is correct. That is correct. And they do have English, but it's mostly in Japanese. But the English translation uh, that you can do automatically through Google will help. Uh, is good. Is good. Uh, it will help. Um, enough. So, yeah, that's all our plugs, but what were you trying to say before I was trying to do these plugs? Oh, uh, no, 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 I just want to also say, you know, uh, you know, if you want to order a show, watch it on Fight TV, or I guess you could just watch it on YouTube. Uh, we do have some, we have a video interview with Naoki anyway that we did previous to the fight, uh, that he had at, uh, Ryzen, and we'll be having some, uh, great content coming up on Bloodsport, uh, non-MMA stuff. Uh, some JMMA stuff, and uh, we'll have, we'll also be covering the Bellator post show at some point because we finally I think I have looked at seen all the fights. I think you see most of them, Christian, I believe, or at least the finishes. Okay. Sorry, Christian, could you repeat that again? I mean, you kind of broke up there. Sorry, I was just saying that you know uh, we'll definitely be talking about the Bellator. Uh, post fight, uh, two uh, Japan show post fight at some point because we've seen the fights, um, we've seen them through uh, unique means I'll say, um, and um, you know we'll be there's gonna be a lot more we're gonna be, we're we're gonna be a lot more a lot of things are good a lot of things are good you know it was looking bad at first because uh hey you know we didn't know if we'd even get to watch this show but hopefully the future is. I think the future is good for for Ryzen and uh, uh, and our our content as well. I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, a quick little plug for myself as well. In addition to following the Focus Fights YouTube channel, you can subscribe to there. But you just have to search for Focus Fights on YouTube or Google, whichever you prefer. You can also check me out through UG Media. That's UG Media. U-G-M-E-D-I-A. You can also follow them on Facebook. You can check out their website, dug.media, and you can listen to them on TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio app for iOS and Android, or for your desktop computer. Just search for UG colon XL, because... In addition to, you know, working on the interviews that I plan on doing, you know, for professional MMA, hopefully I'll have some more 
on my end as well, I also plan on doing some big time WrestleMania WrestleMania weekend interviews myself, and will most likely get put up through UG Media and through the Focus Fights YouTube channel, and maybe my own personal YouTube channel. It's the same as my Twitter, Chris Gary Two. You can search for me there, but still, I do plan on, you know, posting more interviews when it comes down to these fighters and these wrestlers that are going to be busting their asses and performing for your entertainment. That sounds great. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing all that. And uh, most of all, though, Christian, we do have to, uh, we have to give the last word to Lenny Hart, as always. So, yeah, of course, we thank y'all for tuning in. We thank y'all for being a part of the Rising Fan Nation. And we specifically thank you for listening to us on the We Are Rising podcast. Till then, as one of my things just dropped, till then, take care, drive safely, you know, take care of others, take care of each other too. And remember, as Lenny Hart. Always likes to say, We are And on that note, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Peace. Take care, everybody. Ah.